Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. tank is getting low, the sat-nav battery is getting low, and quite frankly, I'm almost run out of these stupid car journey metaphors, so thank goodness that the road to WrestleMania is now two weeks away. As I am speaking to you now, only 14 days, till the biggest show of the year, very, very excited for that, and you've got a bonus Howl podcast because of it, a bonus Hooked On podcast coming to you today as we get ready for the granddaddy of them all. And speaking of, well, you're a, he's a daddy of one. He's not a granddaddy of all, but he is a daddy of one, and he's my friend and colleague. Paul Benson's with us. How are you doing, Paul? I'm very well, thanks, Rob. Hello, and hello, everybody. Um, yeah, thanks for amending that intro there. Granddaddy of them all might not have gone down so well with the wife. <laughs> but, um, yeah, where have the last eight weeks gone? You know, it only feels like two minutes ago that we were talking about how the 10-week countdown was on, and now here we are marking the 14-day countdown to WrestleMania with a special little podcast. Well, uh, what was it you said a couple of weeks ago? I don't know if you said, I think you said it on the podcast, but you certainly said it on uh, on social media, is that you know that uh, you know that there's a big howl party coming because you're having to put in an order for 500 biros or whatever it is. So... <laughs> that, was, that was on Wednesday. Yeah. yeah so the, bi- the biros have arrived, the wristbands have arrived. I realise that I'm well behind on my packing and my everything else. The quiz is done. Um... Yeah, it's all it, as as they might have said in Bad Boys. This is when that shit gets real. <laughs> Indeed. And speaking of Bad Boys, no, that's not very fair. Uh, I can't keep on following these little segues, but uh, we will introduce today's guest. Um, it's a it's a difference to last time. The last time we had uh, Dave Mastiff, who's a, a British wrestler, on. Uh, in time, other times we've had some uh, friends from uh, from the media. We've had other hosts from other venues. This is a different one altogether, but it's no less fun. We're going to bring on today. Uh, I'll, in fact, I'll introduce him to the podcast first, and then we'll talk about why we've got him on. But uh, it's Rich Pemberton. Rich, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Rob. Thank you very much for having me on. No problem at all. Now. There's, uh, I would say there's two major reasons that we want to, uh, want to speak to you today. Three, indeed, because one of them is that uh, you're, a, you're a nice and entertaining guy. But the other two are, one, you're a friend of Hal. You've been supporting our um, Hooked On parties from their, uh, from their genesis, and uh, we've known you a little bit longer than that as well. And you've been a big supporter of ours, for which we thank you. And so should some of our, uh, uh, some of our visitors to the parties, because I think you've, uh, you've donated a few prizes over your time as well that uh, people have been able to win. Uh, but mainly... Is it fair to say that you might be as big a Hulkamaniac as one could meet in this country? I would think that is absolutely fair, Rob, to be fair. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people have said it, and uh, you won't be the first and probably not the last. But, yeah, I'm a pretty big uh, Hulkamaniac. You are indeed. Um, this is all about WrestleMania. Our podcast, as Paul says, for the last eight weeks has all been about the road to WrestleMania. Uh, you're going to be a guest judge in a, in a short while on our WrestleMania Impossible task. I know you're going to uh, get involved in that. But the, the the story of WrestleMania would not be complete, obviously, without without Hulk Hogan. Um, we've put, I think, four of his matches, I think, so far into our mixtape, if I can uh, dial it up in front of me. Certainly last time, 
um, we put Rock versus Hogan um, from WrestleMania 18. But yes, we've got um, his matches from WrestleMania's one, three, and six are on our list. So Hulk Hogan is a major part of WrestleMania. Would you agree? Is he the biggest legend of all time in the industry? Uh, I, th- I think he is. Uh, from my point of view, from me, not only is thinking as an adult, but also growing up with it, uh, I, I think he has to be. You know, my my opinion is he, he is the biggest um, legend of all time within wrestling for the whole business. He's done so much, and uh, yeah, definitely. Um, Paul, um, tell us about when you um, you first met Rich and how you first started to learn about his uh, Hulk Hogan obsession. <laughs> <laughs> well, I met Rich like you like you mentioned um, at the How Pies in the first couple of How Pies when we we're still at Belushi's. Um, those that don't know Rich, which obviously with the majority of the people that we're talking to now, one of the most genuine, decent, friendly blokes we've ever met. Rich turns up, the whole bar is full of geezers in fancy dress or in wrestling shirts or you know the, the, if anyone's ever been to the party they know the general dress code Rich is there in a three piece suit hair slicked back looking immaculate I thought this guy this guy's on point and then it, the Jaeger bomb started to flow and we became firm friends after that um, but yeah one thing that struck me very quickly about Rich is just how obsessed with Hogan he is and I won't Sport, I won't steal his thunder from later on in this conversation, but some of the pieces in his Hulk Hogan collection beggar belief. Uh, and when they, when it sort of came to light, the sort of things that he was getting, you know, this isn't just going out and buying um, WWE 2K13 signed by Hulk Hogan or anything like that. It's uh, it's a very interesting, impressive, um, dedicated collection. It really is. It's a bit. Uh, it's a bit beyond what anyone may expect. Even when you said the word thunder about when you were talking about steal my thunder, he even he even then Rich was thinking about thunder in paradise. It was just went straight into his brain. That's how he computes it. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's. let's uh, how should we frame this? Um, what would be the? In fact, no. Let's let's change that. How many pieces would you estimate of Hulk Hogan? memorabilia, merchandise, paraphernalia, would you say that you have, Rich? I would say now I'm probably getting up to well over 50. Um, as, as Paul said, so probably size and quantity may not be the thing that will shock people as much. It's no. probably more about um, what, some, what some of those items uh, that I have in my collection, I suppose, is probably the, is probably the bigger thing, I'd imagine. Okay, so we're doing the WrestleMania mixtape. Let's kid on, it's the um, wrestling memorabilia mixtape you can put up one piece of Hulk Hogan merchandise that you have um, to show off your collection what would you what would you bring to us in show and tell oh, oh, Rob there's uh, in, in, a, in a triple threat match I've got three basically top items that I've got um, oh okay we'll, we'll one... vote on it we'll vote on it we'll, we'll play oh, the game like the mixtape yeah, me and Paul okay. will vote on it okay okay one, <laughs> one of them I don't think would be the right time to tell you about it due to the mixtape coming up. It uh, may influence some people. Keep that decisions. one good point. Yeah, <clears throat> keep that safe. Yeah. So I will keep that too. I'm going to go to. Uh, I'll give you two choices. Um, and if I can give you a little bit of a, a, a background on really uh, one of them, how, how it came about in my position, if that's okay with you. Of course. Um, so the, the, the first one I've had um, a number of years now, uh, it was something I've been looking for and never thought I'd be able to find due to sort of childhood dreams and what I remember of being my, you know, the heyday of Hulkster and, and my memories. And uh, that really goes back to WrestleMania 6, uh, Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior. Uh, we're all similar ages. Paul and I are actually the same age. And um, growing up, 
that that in that that mindset I've got is basically larger than life characters. And that one item uh, I managed to track down was an original unused, so with stub uh, still connected WrestleMania six ticket, which in itself is a, is a nice item. Um, it's also signed by uh, the late great Ultimate Warrior. And it is also now signed, uh, as when I met him for the second time, by Hulk Hogan. So I have a WrestleMania 6 ticket, still with Stub Connected, uh, signed by both Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. That would be my first item. That's a, that's a pension right there. If you're ever <laughs> in any, uh, any, in any woes or you need to raise some capital quickly, not that you'd ever want to part with it, I'm sure, but uh, that is a, no. that's a little nest egg right there. What's your second item? Uh, the second item, which to give you again a little bit of a, a little bit of a build up on that, uh, if we go to sort of 1997, the WCW uh, sold NWO sold out pay per view. Uh, people will remember, I'm sure, and if you haven't seen it for a little while, obviously look it up. Uh, you will see the it was the basically the case of Hulk Hogan, uh, NWO Hollywood Hogan versus, uh, as we know, the Big Show um, back then, the Giant. And towards the end of that match, all the NWO, including um, Big Bubba, so the, the big boss man came in, was getting choke slammed, everything, nothing, nothing could keep down uh, the giant. And then Eric Bischoff runs from the back, runs out from the back, hands Hollywood Hogan the NWO guitar. Uh, he gets into the ring, smashes the guitar over his head, smashes, smashes, throws it out of the ring. Um, I will keep at the moment the person who it came from, but somebody within that that uh, I've managed to get, and actually in my collection I now have that original ring-used uh, NWO guitar uh, smashed up in its original uh, state. I have that in my collection as well. <laughs> Just so good. I think, Paul, we're going to need to at some point take a camera and do a little follow-up to this podcast. And just like, <laughs> it's going to be like a different version of Cribs, but with Richie Pemberton. Just uh, a that pure, sounds pure Hulk perfect. Hogan Cribs. I, I, I like that idea. What would you take then, Paul, out of those two things? I, uh, I think I know my choice if I had to put it into the... Uh, into the Hogan Museum. I, I, yeah, I think I can guess your choice. To be honest, um, my choice is pretty clear for two reasons. A, uh, both, by the way, massively, massively impressive items. But I'm a WWE guy um, and I'm a history guy. And having a ticket sub stub signed by the Warrior and Hulk Hogan from what was arguably one of the top 10 biggest WrestleMania, well, no, arguably one of the top five biggest WrestleMania events of all time. Uh, that that wins it hands down for me. I totally agree. Um, not that the other one's not impressive, but the other, yeah, I totally agree with that. And also, I mean, I'm not big into my uh, uh, my autograph hunting or my memorabilia collecting, but um, I think if you were talking about value on that, the fact that it's uh, you said that was intact, didn't you? That's not been taken off with the stubs. So, uh, <clears throat> no, so it's, a, it's an it's an original uh, it's an original unused ticket. So, that's um, big on value, by the way. So that's uh, that's always a, anything that's um, slightly niche and slightly different when it comes to um, um, pieces of memorabilia. You're always going to uh, push the price up on that one. And not that we're trying to sell your stuff here. I feel like I'm trying to. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this is QVC suddenly, and I'm, uh, I'm I'm trying to do a special Hulk Hogan hour and uh, sell all, all of your gear. That is not what we're trying to do. Um, what was the first? Can you think of what the first thing was? There must have been some point when you decided, I'm going to make this into a collection. Not necessarily the first thing that you had, because you might have just gone to a live event and you had a program and you got Hulk to sign it because you were a big fan. That's anyone can do that. But there must be a point where you go from being someone that has some autographs to someone that collects specifically Hulk Hogan pieces of memorabilia. So when do you think that was, and can you remember the sort of items? 
Um, I would say it's probably going to be in the last, it's going to be in the last 10 years. Um, it may be even the last sort of five or six years. What, what I'd say with any kind of collecting, depending on, and there'll be lots of people out there probably listening to this that will collect lots of things from memorabilia of all different genres. But for me, I then started to look and started to think, wow, you know, this is what I want. This is what I want to have. And by doing that, you should kind of, you kind of start to see this other world. I mean, to give you an idea, there is a there is a Hulk Hogan collectibles uh, group, a couple of good friends of mine, actually, both in the States. I've known them literally probably for the last five years now, and that's been through that kind of that kind of Hulk Hogan collection way, and that's kind of what got me into it, really. I had the bits. I love them. I've always been the kind of guy that likes things in the box. I like things sealed. I don't like things being open. So I think that with sort of with my Hulk Hogan passion kind of brought the two together. Um, and, and really, I suppose the first kind of item I got, um, I think was a, going back now, was actually a, a Hulkamania original uh, WWF Hulk Rules shirt. So that was probably for around about 19, uh, 1988, 89. And I had that and I got that and I thought, wow, do you know what? And I loved everything it had. The memories were there. And from that, that kind of grew from there, really. How many times have you met the man himself? Uh, oh wow! Uh, physically met the man himself. We're looking at, at twice, uh, tw- twice. Uh, I mean, I'm happy to tell you about them if you want to know yes, about absolutely. The, the meetings. Definitely. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, the, the 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 first the first time I met Hulk, he obviously hadn't been over here for many many years, um, and I think that's really one of the big things. It wasn't a, a, social media was there, but it was it was kind of 2012. It wasn't what it is now. These people weren't as uh, approachable as you could ever get now in terms of social media and what happened uh, it was actually with TNA and uh, it, it was announced that he was coming over and he'd, uh, he'd been to Manchester he hadn't come out of the meet and greet at Manchester I well, as soon as I knew he was coming to the UK I straight away bought the meet and greet ticket straight away for TNA got there um, my, uh, my best friend Mark Surridge who's a, he is a Hulkamaniac I, I think in terms of probably the two of us he'd probably happily say I'm a little bit uh, a little bit ahead of him in terms of my sort of you know my passion for Hulk but anyway so what happens is I go in there we're queuing up for a long long while as you do at these events and people are coming down the stairs he's not there he's not there shaking their head they're all coming down no Hulk's not there Hulk's not there and um, I'd actually taken that very item I spoke about, so that Hulk Rules vest with the rips in the back, the actual Hulk Rules vest from 1988. I've taken that with me to get it signed. And um, we're queuing up. I finally get into the door. We're queuing up. And um, I, Dixie Carter's there. And this is 100% how it happened. I am, you know, I'm an eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid again in my head. I'm, all I can focus on is meeting Hulk. I, I thought it's never day would come. And I'm seeing he's not there. And I've gone straight up to Dixie Carter with the Hulk shirt in my hand, straight up to her, saying to her, Dixie, Dixie, I've waited all this time. Please, please, where is he? Where is he? And um, she said, he's coming. I promise you he's coming. I said, OK, cool. So we're queuing up. And this is exactly how it happened. I'm queuing up. We're going round. Um, there's a couple, other, a couple other guys there. And actually, very um, at the moment, it's very, very relevant. Kurt Angle was there. Um, so Kurt Angle's sitting at the table. It's literally just a table. Uh, you're, you're at the other side of the table. And Kurt's there. I'm talking to Kurt, having a little chat and that kind of stuff. And I'm wearing a red Hulkamania hoodie uh, in red. Mark, he's got a yellow Hulkamania hoodie. We're standing there. And behind the curtain, I, can't, I couldn't even write this. Behind the, this curtain, all of a sudden, he comes from behind the curtain. Uh, he comes out from behind the curtain, straight in front of me. And that could have absolutely killed it there because he could have, and he, he comes out, I'm the first person he sees, I'm standing straight in front of him, he goes up to grab the old, the, the fist, the power, and he says, how are we doing, brother? 
and that was it. And I was like, oh my god! <laughs> and if anyone's interested, I actually filmed it, and it does sound like a schoolgirl is actually filming it, screaming. That's actually me. Um, I did actually, I did actually film it, and uh, I was referring to him as Mr. Hogan, Mr. Hogan, many, many mm-hmm. times because uh, I was absolutely in, in, in pieces. I thought I was going to faint to this, um, and uh, but I tell you what. He, he was larger than life. He was he was he was fantastic. He signed my shirt. I didn't want to go. Um, the security guards were sort of going, please move on, move on, because all of a sudden there was all these people running back into this room because they realised Hulk's come out. I'm the first person he's seen, and um, yeah, that was the first time I met him. Hey, mate, before before you go to the second one, mate, I've got, you've never actually told me that story properly like that before, and therefore I've never had the chance to tell you this. But what you might not know um, is that that day, exactly what you're talking about, Rob and I were backstage um, for that event at Wembley. And more to the point, I my job for the day was um, making sure all the international media, all the international broadcasters for TNA had their pre-tapes, all the stars. Now, we had four or five rooms set aside uh, in, the, in, the, in the bowels of Wembley for the French broadcasters and the Middle Eastern broadcasters and the Indian broadcasters and whatnot. It all sent crews over to do, uh, Sky obviously were challenging another one, to do promos with all the wrestlers. And we were cycling them through. And as you can imagine, the one they all wanted was Hulk Hogan. So we couldn't get Hulk Hogan until he'd done all his pre-tapes for the show, for the tapings itself. Um, so he was late. And now we got a call I think he'd done two or three maybe I don't know one maybe two whatever and um, one of the guys one of the TNA guys I can't, I, it might have been Steve Small might have been Andy Barton I can't remember who it was came through and they said look we need Hogan for the meet and greet we need him for the meet and greet now and I'm there like you'll, you'll, you might hate me for this actually Rich um, I, w- I was there saying he cannot go to the meet and greet we need to these guys have flown spent thousands of pounds on crews they haven't had Hogan F the meet and greet. You haven't promised anything. We have promised these guys. Forget it. He's not going. And I had a stand-up round wow. to say that Hogan had to stay and miss the meet and greet. Luckily for you and our friendship, I got shouted down. That's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's, wow. that's, Paul, that is your, it was me, Austin. That's, that's yeah. that moment, isn't it? <laughs> it was me all along. Yeah. Wow. And, that was just a few months before we met as well actually wasn't it yeah, it was so yeah it was yeah, it I, was, yeah. I, could, I could have been responsible mate for scuppering that for you that would have, that would have been, that would have, we would that would be that would be finished then you'd be speaking to me now saying yeah here he is which the biggest Shawn Michaels collector in the UK is Richie, Richie yeah yeah might have gone completely different from there <laughs> well I'm, I'm, that's one argument I'm glad I lost wow I have my own little sidebar from uh, from what you were saying um, uh, Rich about saying about calling him Mr Hogan and uh, which kind of sounds, um, you know, like he was a teacher or something. But uh, I understand the predicament sometimes, and I find it happens with a lot of wrestlers. Is it is difficult to know what to call them, because yep. some of them think you're a bit of a mark, let's say, if you you know use their full wrestling name, and others think it's quite disrespectful if you use their real name and not their wrestling name, as it were. Like for example, I worked with Shawn Michaels for. You know, for many days when he came over and did something with the, the PSI events, I travelled with him, had long conversations with him. I never once called him Michael, which is his real name. He never introduced himself as Michael. He's Sean. You know, he's Sean Michaels. I have to say, I probably wouldn't call Kane Kane, because it's clearly a gimmick and it's a one-name thing. You know, I, I think I would probably say first up... I've never met him, actually, but if I met him first up, I think I would say, can I call you Glenn? And I think I'd say it quite early, and I would expect him to say, yeah, no problem. Lita, who we had for the um, 
the uh, the convention when we did the London WrestleCon um, was just aiming the whole time. Maybe because she's a little bit more out of the business, but I was kind of interchangeable when I was because I was doing the announcing for that for the, the the hosting, and I sometimes said Trish and Lita, and I sometimes said Trish and Amy. I was quite inter- interchangeable with that, and she was t- perfectly cool with it. But I do remember meeting Hogan. The the, the one and only time that. Uh, uh, I met and, spe- uh, met and spent any time with him was when he came over and did a, uh, a WrestleCast for us with The Sun when I was working with uh, Joel Ross on WrestleCast and um, very good interview lots of fun he was I cannot say a bad word about him in terms of how he uh, how he was with us he was um, he was just superb um, good interview switched it on for the interview but was nice outside of it as well and took time to chat to us so you know a real first class uh, human being but I didn't know what to call him because Hulk, Hulk sounded so silly Hello, Hulk. That, that doesn't sound right. Mr. Hogan is a bit of an odd one. I didn't want to call him Terry, because that's being a little bit too clever. And it's like, I don't think I end up calling it... I could have just called him brother, I suppose. But I just remember sort of, sort of going, Hi, how's it going? And I never used his name or anything, because it just... Nothing felt right. And I've, uh, I've probably told this story... Well, Paul will certainly have heard this story, because it took place in, in his old workplace in, uh, in Chelsea, um, when we interviewed... Well, the person that is broadly known to the public as Nigel McGuinness. Um, he is someone, his real name, I believe, is Stephen. And he was working at the time as Desmond Wolf. And I met him and he went, hi, I'm Nigel. Now, try explaining that one to anyone that doesn't understand wrestling. That is a little bit like Russell, Russell Crowe, meeting Russell Crowe. And rather than him saying, um, oh, I've forgotten his character in The Beautiful Mind. Is it, is it something Nash? Is it John Nash? Nash, John Nash. Uh, rather than rather than him saying, him calling himself, he's promoting a beautiful mind. But rather than calling himself John Nash or Russell Crowe, he goes, "Hi, I'm Maximus," and it would just it would freak you out. <laughs> and it was you don't know how to do it. I won't say who it was, but there's a wrestler who is now in WWE. I interviewed him when he was uh, on the indie scene. Who I called, I had his number to do an interview, and I called him and I said, "Hi, is that?" so-and-so and I used his wrestling name and he went yeah this is so-and-so and he was really quite a prat about it about the fact that I'd used his wrestling name and sort of took the mick out of me and I thought well you know no real need for that he was a heel but I sort of thought well if you're acting your heel character then you're kind of in character and you don't mind me using your wrestling name do you mate anyway I, I think about that every time I see him on the telly which is quite often um, but uh, I won't. Uh, I don't think it's very professional of me to tell you who that is. Although I have only had uh, two beers this evening. If I have any more by the end of the podcast, I might let it slip. Anyway, this is not about me and my uh, petty gripes with wrestlers' names. This is about you and Hulkster. So uh, let's go on to the second meeting. Yeah. So the second meeting um, was actually in Birmingham. I found out he was coming over. It was the Body Power Expo of all places. And you know, I'm not the largest guy in the world in terms of I'm not the skinniest guy but I'm definitely not known as being a muscly guy and we were at the Body Power Expo um, and it's quite funny actually. we got there really really early in the morning got there straight away and all we were interested in was getting in that queue um, and actually we are walking around and everyone was getting off at all these uh, you know supplements and we are walking around going wow you know everyone's getting off all this stuff and all of a sudden again it was uh, myself and Mark we walked along and this guy came up to us and said here you go look so we must look all, you know we must look we've got some and uh it's a true story he comes straight up to us and said um you know, guys you want some fat burners i was like brilliant thanks for that i thought he was gonna offer some sort of like i thought, I thought he was gonna offer us some sort of like supplement or something at least you know but um but anyway so we got there um literally had no interest in looking at any of the stuff any of the expo straight into the queue um we were probably about eighth or ninth in the queue they very much under, underestimated how popular he was going to be um, because all of a sudden this queue filled up and up and up and up and up and actually there were many of you do he was meant to be doing a live q a um 
when he went into the auditorium to do a live Q&A, it was actually empty because that everybody was in the queue. I mean, I started queuing at about probably quarter to nine in the morning. He didn't actually come out in the end till two o'clock. And um, this is actually the point where I met him and where he actually signed the uh, the WrestleMania six ticket for me. And the best thing in the world um, is I'm queuing up. Now, I'm getting there, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And we've met some, you know, some guys and some, you know, uh, people you'll know as well, J- uh, Justine, and she was there. Um, and, and they're all queuing up, we're having a chat. And I go up to him. Now, I can tell you if you want in a minute, but obviously I've had a little bit of interaction with Hogan's Beat Shop with the guys over there. So um, this time, obviously, it's a couple of years since I've met him. I've had quite a lot of interaction with the guys there. Um, I tend to go by sort of Richie PP. That was my old gamer tag back in the day, and it was what I used on Twitter and that. And I tried to go with that, thinking Richie PP is definitely different to Rich. Um, the reason Richie PP, Paul, my middle name, and Pemberton, my surname. But I tried to instill that kind of Richie PP. So when he sees things and he knows things, he kind of reflects it's me and anyway I'm queuing up I go up there with Wrestlemania City and, I, and I'm ready to say to him oh you know I've met you know do you know who I am I'm sort of, I speak to Ron because Ron is his guy who runs the beach shop for him right? and I queue up I stand up there I my ticket I said oh hi Hulk hi I said uh, I'm and he went I know you are Richie PP brother and I was like oh my I like that nearly finished off again there so I nearly faint um, and, and Saris is there he, he hears him say it and he says to me like and everyone's like, I cannot believe Hulk Hogan knows who you are. I'm like, no, I just, but as I say, there's a bit of a story I can tell you, obviously, that why he probably knows who I am because he did, he did do something else for me in terms of what what, what we did through my, uh, my my love for the Hulkster. But um, yeah, that was the second time. And do you know what he said about the ticket? Uh, he was main concerned about the ticket. He was amazed. He was absolutely amazed. But he also said to me, why didn't they go? Because obviously the ticket hadn't been pulled off. So his biggest worry was why why didn't these people go to WrestleMania? Ever the businessman. <laughs> Ever the businessman. Yeah, exactly right. But now, that was the second time I met him. So, uh, yeah, very, very good. Hulkster in a nutshell, that story. That, you know, not necessarily, not necessarily being on time for something, but then being very personable and then doing two things which are excellent for business. One, which is having an eye on the uh, the ticket, and two is remembering your name. Yes, exactly. Because he's a very, very smart guy when it comes to that kind of thing. He did a he did a little bit with Joel when we did the, the WrestleCast where he talked about, last time I saw you was at SummerSlam, all this kind of thing. It was like, you want to go, you weren't at that SummerSlam, Hulk. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was talking about the SummerSlam 92. He was like, yeah, you weren't there. But um, he was uh, he was very good about it, and um, you know I've I've had the privilege, and I do use that word very carefully, but I've had the privilege of meeting a vast amount of wrestlers um, professionally. Obviously, in my uh, capacity as being a wrestling journalist in the old days, not doing so much of it these days, but uh, and hosting conventions and that sort of thing. So I probably have met upwards of a hundred wrestlers, and um, probably more. Paul will be on this on a similar sort of thing with his, his work with TNA. And I've been, I find that I've been incredibly fortunate about, frankly, how nice they've been. There's been a, literally a couple. Of, when, whenever people say, "Oh, who, who have you met that's been a bit of a prat?" You know, and I'll never, I won't like to do that on the podcast. It's not really very becoming to start slagging people off. Also, because people just have a bad day. And you know, one person that I could name that was, a, you know, a bit of a, an ass, quite frankly, when I met him. Almost everyone ever that I've heard say that they've met him says what a nice fellow he is so I just take it he had a bad day one day and it happens to everyone um, but Hulk is one of those where he easily could have come in as a star um, you know I'm too big for all this you know just like kind of pretended about things but he was just incredibly nice and personable and, and did everything that was asked of him and I'm sure Paul you know I think you've probably you know, had more dealings with him than me I just did one interview and that was uh, that was it really although we did spend an hour hour and a half with him but um 
is he uh would you tally with what i've been saying there yeah, I'd say, you know, I was really surprised how nice a bloke he was because I, I obviously dealt with him on... He came over here, that one prominent tour with TNA, and he did a lot of media beforehand, and I was lucky enough to go out for dinner with him um, one night for a big steak. And he was... What I will say is he was he was really decent, really nice bloke. Um, I expected... You know, I've been out with a few guys in the same situations where they've just been looking at their phones, not wanting to talk. He was he was very personal. You did get the impression he was all business yeah. because he knew that we were there for business reasons. We weren't just fans chatting to him, you know, in a bar. We were there, and, and you got the impression that he was definitely on game, on brand as Hulk Hogan. But take as you find very nice very charming um and yeah enjoyed his company immensely and a bit like richie yeah it was what what a dream come true there's a few i've met tons of guys in the course of my work and there's there's probably three hogan flair kurt angle that stand head and shoulders above the rest in terms of being completely starstruck um and yeah lived up lived up to the billing just like the other two did I'll never use the expression starstruck because that's not really me. I don't have a problem with people that are, but that's not really me. But I certainly will say that the two that I've had where they've just walked in the room and I've sort of had to do a bit of a, oh my God, that's so-and-so. Well, I suppose that is being starstruck, I suppose. I'm trying to be cool about it. Yeah. It kind of is what yeah. it is, isn't it? Um, is, is Hulk Hogan and Bret Hart. Bret, because he was, you know, my guy, um, not necessarily to... Reached his extent with Hogan, but I've always been a huge, huge Bret Hart fan. Um, so from the first time I interviewed him, which was probably about um, eight years ago or so now, um, up all the way through to doing, you know, three sets of shows with him, including the, the convention and uh, another interview when his uh, when his book came out. I've been I've actually probably worked with and interviewed Bret more times than anyone else, which is incredible, you know, for me that it's fallen that way that, uh, that I was such a Bret Hart fan. But that first time I met him. Um, he was recording a, a WrestleCast with um, Simon and Joel it was then I was working for The Sun but not doing WrestleCast um, and I interviewed him for Fighting Spirit magazine who I was, I was writing for at the time um, that was just a surreal moment where you had to sort of go my god that's Bret Hart that just walked in and the funny thing is the next time I met him which was about you know, three or four years later he actually looked better than the first time because obviously you know, recovering from a stroke you know, and other things takes some time and what's been really nice is every time I've met Brett he's looked better and better and in better physical shape and you know better mental health really and so that's been pretty cool so you know I've had those excellent experiences but certainly even though I've never been a huge Hulk Hogan fan when he walked in the room and he is a big guy obviously and he's still in great shape and you know it's the hair and the bandana and the moustache and all that kind of thing and it is just a kind of you realise that you're sitting talking to someone that so many people in the world know that's the point is that a few people know Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and whatever and you know there'll be a few others like you know Triple H and John Cena and a few others that have you know broken a little bit into a mainstream Stone Cold Steve Austin but there aren't there are probably only Hulk Hogan and The Rock that almost everybody knows who they are you know if you don't yeah. know Hulk Hogan you know you're probably either so young that you just don't remember any of his era or you know the fact that he was a mainstream guy but it doesn't matter who you are, man, woman and child, you'll probably know Hulk Hogan. And so when you get to meet one of those people and realise what they meant to your industry, how iconic they are, you can't help but be a little, you know, goodness me, I'm, I'm, I'm sat in this guy's presence. And then when they live up to it, that's obviously a bonus. So um, I think anyone that will... There are people, Rich, I'm sure that you've come across that will belittle you for, uh, 
for your fandom, either because they think you're over the top or because they think Hogan's overrated or whatever it might be. I'd be surprised if anybody really didn't understand. I think if you were a big... I'm trying to think of someone without being horrible now, but if you were a massive, let's say... I'm going to say Chris Jericho, and I love Jericho, so I'm using someone who's, I think, absolutely brilliant, and I've worked with him, and he's a terrific guy. But if you were that over the top about Chris Jericho, I think a few people would go, hmm, it's a bit obsessive, it's a bit strange. But Hulk Hogan is the icon in the industry, no matter what you say about The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin or Bruno San Martino or whoever. You know, Hogan is the one that's been around for 35 years and is still, you know, if he walked into an arena known to everybody, would get a reaction off of everybody, and I'm not sure anyone else can say that. Would you agree, Rich? 100%, yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, that's kind of where it stems, and especially from what you're you're saying, really, where it came from, how people know. You know, growing up in that era, there was no, there was no social media. I grew up without Sky, you know, we had no Sky at home. My only interaction, really, into the wrestling business was... You know the Hasbro figures, which of course was Hulk Hogan. The the the, the WWF magazines. Uh, you know, going around friends' houses and getting the VHS. And, and and at that time, growing up in the you know mid to late 80s, Hogan was everywhere. Uh, I mean, I'll use this as an example. You know, 35 years, my dad's taken me to the cinema once, and uh, we went to see Suburban Commando. So all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you know, you're in the, that. That's a memorable experience of anyway for anybody, and and you're there, and you're seeing this person. And as I say, back then, they weren't. Whether it's you know stars, movie stars, sports stars, whatever you want, they weren't as accessible as they are now. So you didn't see them, you didn't get to interact with them, and it was the first time I'd seen anything like that. You know, I'd seen British wrestling, I'd seen the old, but I'd never seen people people like that. And the way you know Hulk was, and that's that, that's kind of where it comes from. You know, my my kind of love for the Hogan and what I remember, it puts me back into that state of of where I am as a, you know as a kid, and and that's kind of where my 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 whole sort of passion and everything comes from for Hulk is is from that you know is the yellow the red the entrance the the larger than life character um, and that's and that's what it was and as I say it, it completely I, I do understand what you're saying Rob you know some people may say that to me and you know it's a little bit like a I'm not saying I'm a superhero but I do live a life where you know I wear like a three piece suit for work I'm a I'm a businessman and then all of a sudden you know I, I, I can switch that off and go into sort of you know watching stuff on Hulk and, and enjoying that time so. Uh, very very different what's the best Hulk Hogan film Suburban Commando 100% why is that oh um, from, again like all of this you know what does this all come down to this all comes down to nostalgia and I suppose uh, for, for me Suburban Commando as I've already said that, that kind of going to the cinema um, and what he was at that time, you know, the filming of it, he looks, he's so huge, he's bigger than everyone else, you know, poor old Christopher Lloyd's there, uh, and his mannerisms in it, he, he's fantastic, you know, he's got the comedy in it, he's got the bit, you know, with the old K7 Force film, with the guy doing the mime, and he punches through, <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I just yeah. I, You're a dead man, Ramsey! Yeah, exactly, exactly, the take, yeah. No wonder you guys never talk. Uh, please, let's not have a Suburban Commando uh, <laughs> line. I'll be, I'll be here all night having a Suburban Commando line off. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's done some other ones. That I, obviously, I've, you know, I've seen plenty of them from, you know, from Mr. Nanny to Santa with Muscles. I've, I've seen them, I've seen them. And um, But, yeah, for me, Suburban Commando, I think for a UK audience, it's different if you're in the, in the US. I think for a UK, Suburban Commando was probably the biggest... 
uh, you know, definitely the biggest for, for, for Hulk. And in terms of if you were to ask people to probably name a, a Hulk Hogan film, okay, no whole bards are going to know, but but realistically, it's probably going to be Suburban Commando. So I think for me, that's my favourite. My favourite film he's done just I, because of the. I remember being gutted. I'm from a small town in Grimsby, and at the time, it only had a tiny little three-screen cinema. And I was a massive Hulkamaniac back then. I was dead excited that Suburban Commando was coming out, and I used to drive past this. <laughs> cinema on my way which i later worked at actually with my uh, mum on her way to work and on my way to school and they had three posters every week of the films that they had out that week and i used to watch every day waiting for suburban commando to come and it never ever did never ever came on this cinema and i was devastated and then i remember about three four months later whatever it might be walk into the video shop and there it is suburban commando on the shelf i couldn't be more excited i couldn't decide whether to get that or bill and ted's bogus journey <laughs> but Suburban Commando won out. Definitely. I feel like what we ought to have done um, here, Paul, is we ought to have done a little special Hulk Hogan quiz, shouldn't we? For, for Rich. Um, for for Rich. Rich. <laughs> it's annoyed me that we've got this far into the podcast and I've only just thought of it. But I, in my, uh, in the, in the spirit of um, uh, trying to find some things out about some of these films. I've got a couple of little questions for you, which I found oh. by looking at the wonder of Wikipedia. So don't look. I'm going to trust you not to no, look at anything. I, I think won't look. I think you'll know anyway. But um, these are deliberately ridiculous questions that you, uh, you may or may not know. I have no idea how, what your level of knowledge is. Um, in the film uh, Santa with Muscles, um, who played the character of Sarah? And, oh. and I say this, it's not going to be some unknown actor that you've never heard no, of. No, 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 no. It's no. someone that's very, very, very famous now, and I didn't know that she was in it. Yes, I know it, I know it, I do know it, because she's, she's very young at the time. Um, Apparently it was her film debut, according to this. I want to say something like Drew Barrymore or something like that. Uh, Mila Kunis is Sarah. Mila Kunis. Wow. Yes, with yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I can see it straight away. Yeah. How, how oh, about I, that? I'm um, frustrated now, Rob. You, I'm frustrated. That's all right. I'll get you back then. So, um, who played uh, who played Charlie Wilcox in Suburb- Suburban Commando? Uh, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. I didn't. I didn't know. I've not seen any of these films. I have to say. So I'm quite impressed that uh, that Doc Brown is in a, is in a Hulk Hogan film. That's. Uh... That's uh, that's pretty impressive. I think we'll leave as, it there. I don't I don't think as, we as is a young Undertaker. As is the Undertaker, yeah. Oh yes, I did see that actually on the uh, on the list there that it's uh, that uh, Undertaker's in it. He was probably have been when was this film? Nin- yeah, ninety one. So no, it was just about ninety one. Uh, just about in WWE by then. Yeah, because if you remember, um, <laughs> in his book Hogan claims that he met Undertaker on the set of Suburban Commander and recommended him to Vince. <laughs> <laughs> Even though the timelines don't really match up with that at all. Brilliant. Oh, yes. They might have filmed, it. Might have filmed it. it a long time before, and it took exactly. a long time to go out. Wasn't Suburban <laughs> Commando a TV show that they then bolted together and made into a film? Is that right? Is that Suburban no. 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 That's nonsense. No. Okay, forget that. No. Thunder in Paradise was a TV Thunder show. Thunder in Paradise is the one. Right, okay, yeah. <clears throat> I knew one of them was. See, I'm not. I'm not up to it. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm letting myself down with this. Although I do note that uh, Roy Dotrice was in the in the cast of this, playing Zanuck. Are you familiar with the character of Zanuck from uh, Suburban Commando? I might be pronouncing that wrong. Is that the other bounty hunter? Oh no, that's Zork. That's the bat who's at the beginning gets his hand chopped off. He's Zork. He's the um. It's the Lord, isn't it? At the beginning, you know, the one who turns into the uh, the green monster. I'm pretty sure that's who that is. All right. Well, anyway, he um. 
he is the father of uh, both um, uh, Michael Crawford's wife in Some Mothers Do Have Them, Betty, and the little girl in Mary Poppins. There you go. That's the. Uh, there is a there is a ludicrous piece of trivia in every one of these podcasts, <laughs> and that is the one for today. That Hulk Hogan was in a film with the father of the little girl out of Mary Poppins and uh, Betty from Some Mothers Do Have Them. There we go. What utter nonsense Great to you know. get to listen. Great to, to know. Isn't Fantastic. that the best way of ending this segment about Hulk Hogan? No, let's not. Let's talk about um, one more one more Hogan thing with you, and I'll um, I'm working our way into some WrestleMania stuff. Um, what, it's again, it's a little bit of the uh, the mixtape thing. Um, but if you could have one Hulk Hogan match, not necessarily from a WrestleMania, but it may well be from that. If you could have one Hogan match that you would put to someone and say, "This is what Hogan's about. This is why I love Hogan. This is a great match. This demonstrates him." in a great light what what match do you think you would put forward um, I think for the time it was and we spoke about it already but I think for the time it was where it sat and also to show the hero i.e. with the you know the, the warrior getting the win I would probably say Wrestlemania 6 wow so the fact one of the very 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 few times that Hogan loses clean in the middle of the ring is the uh, exactly yep. the and for that very choosing. reason yep for that very reason that the hero that it shows the fact that the hero can lose and it's not weak to be to take the loss so for the uh, that is why I would put that over definitely fair enough that's a good call it is on our Wrestlemania mixtape as, as you know and we will be yep. getting on to that shortly um, so you can be uh, the judge for today for picking our next four uh, Wrestlemania mixtape matches we will be on to that shortly and we're also going to have a quick chat about some Wrestlemania stuff with you but uh, before we do so uh, we mentioned at the very top of this show that uh, Rich has been a big supporter um, of Hooked on Events uh, Wrestlemania parties Rumble parties SummerSlam parties uh, mainly in London Rich has come to those ones but we do run them all over the place and Paul is about to tell you a little bit about the eight venues which we are running Wrestlemania party so you are probably listening to this within the last couple of weeks building up to Wrestlemania so you need to make sure that you act fast and get tickets because they are moving Paul yes they are and and forgive me guys I'm going to take a little bit longer doing this than normal because there's a few different uh, situations with different bars I want to make sure everyone's fully up to speed about what's available where so uh, in London uh, oh I'll tell you what I'll start by saying tickets for all of these parties still on sale at ringsideworld.co.uk they're all still available to some degree or another um, in London we've got no tables left we're completely sold out we have got less than 100 tickets left. We are so close. These tickets are going. There won't be any left on the night. So if you want to come, buy them now. Uh, ringsideworld.co.uk. In Brighton, uh, we still got tables left there. Uh, we still got tickets left there. Um, so, yep, plenty to, plenty to go at. Um, in Liverpool, again, we have surpassed the attendance already for the Royal Rumble in terms of ticket sales. They are sold out of tables. But, again, tickets are available. Um, in Manchester, very, very, very few tickets left. 30, 40 tops. Um, and if you want to get into the Manchester event, buy them as soon as you hear this. Uh, in Leeds, um, sold out of tables, tickets available. Um, and then Cardiff, we're out of tables, tickets available. It's becoming sort of a running theme. Um, and then Birmingham and Nottingham, both tickets and tables still available. And again, they're all from ringsideworld.co.uk. Um, any of the shooters bars that you want to get a table reserved at, um, that there's any available for us, so I think that is just Birmingham and nottingham now um call them on 0845-5333-000 and you can reserve a table package what's most impressive about that rundown that paul did there was that he was actually playing darts during it i don't know if you know that and he uh, he took out 110 checkout is that right 
124. No, it was 110 because I heard you at one point say 30, 40 tops, and that was obviously the way that you uh, you, you checked out. That's that's uh, impressive. You were quite the uh, the multi talent. I uh, I appreciate that. Um, there you go. We'll uh, maybe mention a little bit more about um, some of the party uh, aspects later on uh, in the podcast. But uh, I mentioned that um, Rich has come along to um, a few of them. Uh, most of them, I think, is a fair thing to say. Um, at the risk of being a, a huge um, shill for ourselves here, Rich, what's uh, what do you enjoy about our parties? Oh, where do I start, really? I mean, if I go back to kind of the beginning of when I came, when I came to those parties, I came. I know Paul and yourself, Rob, say it a lot of the times. You know, people come on their own, and they do genuinely come on their own and leave with friends, and that true. that is the that is so so true. And again, that's from me. Okay, I knew a few of the guys. I knew a few of you know, your guys in terms of friends. And uh, I remember coming to uh, the first lot, the Belushi's, you know, and I came there. Uh, I actually came one of them dressed as, a, as, as, as the legend uh, Rowdy Piper. Uh, exactly, the same indeed. As, <laughs> exactly the same as Mr. Benson. The only thing I would probably advise if anyone's listening to this and thinking about fancy dress, probably don't come dressed as the people that run the party. The only reason is when someone needs something, what they say is, yep, go and ask Piper over there. He's the guy who's running it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I spent all night that night where people coming up to me saying, oh, you know, how, how are we doing this? How are we doing? How do I get the stuff for the quiz? How do I do this? So, um, but yeah, I mean, realistically for me, and again, it, it, I would say to people, especially for me, I love wrestling as we spoke about, I'm a massive Hogan fan. Um, but for me, with time commitments and things like that, I probably am nowadays on the on the casual side, I suppose, in terms of where I am and what's happening with wrestling. And those kind of parties, you go there, there's everyone there, everyone is there for the right reason, everyone is there from absolutely all walks of life, do completely different things. And for that time zone, you walk into that area and it's about wrestling. It doesn't matter whether you've only ever watched one match, if you watch every single episode of Raw or SmackDown, everyone's there. Um, it, and it's just brilliant. It's such a great atmosphere. I think from my point of view, um, one of the biggest things is where would you get that many different spectrum of people in one place, all cheering, all laughing, all chanting. Um, and that's it, really. You know, for me, I mean, that, that kind of swept me straight away. And I, I, I arrived there. I remember going the first time and thinking, wow, um, you know, what, what is what is going on? Where, where where has this been? Where have I never seen this before? And and I think that's I think there's something for everyone really. You know, you've got the people. Me in the early days, I know, as Paul said, obviously nowadays I come looking like I've come as Vince McMahon in my three-piece overdress suit. Um, but in the old days, I'd come in, you know, in, in the fancy dress, and I've done it. So from that kind of stuff was really good fun. And um, yeah, I just like the I like the atmosphere. I love the fact that the, we can all watch the wrestling, but we can interact with people. Um, and as I say, there's people that I guarantee you, if you're walking down the street or you're somewhere in a restaurant, you probably wouldn't chat to them people. But in there, you've all got a common ground. You're all there together. And, and, and you get on, you know, you get on and you start to chat to people and you realize, wow, you know, what a completely different lifestyle they may lead to, to what you do. But you're all there enjoying it. So that's, that's kind of my biggest thing I get from the parties, really. That is superb to hear. Um, that's what we aim for. I, I don't know if you've seen what we aim for, but it's just a byproduct um, of what's come along, and it's certainly one of the things I think we're most proud of. Um, I'm not sure how much effort we've put into that, Paul. I think it's just a, it's just a, a real tick in the box for our clientele, really, that they come along and create such a good atmosphere. Well, yeah, it's not something we've ever had to do. You, you put a bunch of good people in a room together, enjoying something good that they're all into, and it, it just happens naturally. Doesn't even have to be something good. 
<laughs> it's helped us. Well, it's a, it's a bonus. No. But we've had some rank rotten shows that <laughs> we've, we've had done some parties for, oh. and people have still come away having a good night. It's not our fault if it's a crap pay per view. Although I don't think WrestleMania will be. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, I will say about that uh, night when you came dressed as uh, as Roddy Piper and Paul did as well. Um, these days, Howl's doing a little bit better for itself these days, so uh, we can get a few more people into a big venue. So we stay at what, some of London's finest um, travel lodges. But in the old days, uh, we used to stay at the Belushi's, which is essentially, if you don't know Belushi's, it's essentially a sort of a, a hostel, traveller's hostel, really, isn't it? Um, nice yeah, place, yeah. nice bars, but the, uh, you're, you're essentially sleeping in dorms if you're, uh, if you're staying there. And the people that were running it were good enough to let us have a, have a room or two, but uh, it did mean, you know, four or six in a room, bunk beds... You know, in you go. You know, toilet at the end of the hall, lads. It was all a little bit, uh, bit primitive for my, you know, horribly middle class tastes. Um, but I Prison will say, cell block H. it was a little bit like that, wasn't it? Joel, <laughs> Joel Ross's uh, favourite program, by the way. I've got a little bit of a story on that, actually. Sorry, just to say that. Actually, um, I remember when I was first hearing about that, and everyone was telling me, and I rang up the venue, and I booked. This is <laughs> in my. Uh, I know I was previously mentioned as the, uh, the the million dollar man. I actually booked that night the first one. The first, the they only have one. I think single room, which is like the <laughs> the uh, penthouse suite, which I remember booking, and then I actually never, I actually never stayed because I went home in the end that night. But I remember uh, going upstairs into it to get ready, and I think I actually gave it to some some guys that were there. They couldn't get home, and I said look you can stay there I'll, I'll go home sort of thing so I do remember that yeah what a guy um, but I will say that um, <laughs> uh, I was sharing um, that room with uh, Mr Paul Benson that evening and it is the only time I've ever seen someone sleeping in let's say a skirt I know it's a kilt but we're going to say a skirt for comic purposes um, a skirt and knee pads it was an interesting sight to uh, go in there and see him spread eagle skirt and knee did pads. Did I really go with the knee pads? I really went for it, didn't I? Mate, I've, did. got, I've got a picture if you'd like me to send you the picture. <laughs> um, I think it went on the Facebook at some point. Um, Why and, not? Uh, the Why last not? thing I'll say about uh, about Rich is um, if you want to know what kind of, what kind of guy he is, um, when we were at um, the Walkabout Temple, our, our venue in London, very, very fine venue, um, where we do all of our stuff from the the how table and the the sound desk where DJ Stevie Cox does his thing and where we uh, do everything from. There's a little bar at the top and there's a much bigger bar down on the bottom level. And I'll say this: if anyone in the management of Walkabout Temple is listening, you need to sort your life out because on the top bar, Strongbow Dark Fruits, hmm, not so good. Bottom bar, Recorder League Strawberry and Lime, wonderful stuff. Rich Pemberton is such a good guy. He'll say, do you want a drink? And I'll say that, and he will go to the other bar, which is further away and oh. busier, just to get me a recorder lick. What a guy. <laughs> no comment. He <laughs> <laughs> did. He did. You did I, do that, and I was very I did, I did, I did. But yeah, I, 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 if someone wants that drink, I'm, I, you know, I'd rather get you that than, 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 than not what you want sort of thing. So that's, yeah, that's cool. You're a lovely fella. Let's talk about this year's WrestleMania. We're going to be there in two short weeks, record league or not. We're going to be there and we're going to be having a great time. Uh, are you looking forward to this year's WrestleMania, Rich? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I've got to say. Um, I, I, re- I, I really am. I'm getting into the field. I think from a lot of the stuff I've heard and a lot of people speaking, that the build for everybody now is getting exciting and I think we've got to be positive that's the whole you know the whole thing I know you guys talk about a lot as well we're here to be positive about it and look at it and uh, yeah I'm excited for the whole the experience of Wrestlemania you know we all know regardless of what happens with the card and where we've got and what's happening uh, Wrestlemania itself the buzz is always around it so we might moan going into it we oh this match that match this match but when we're there and we're in, when, when it's happening I think everyone you know everyone's ready for it and uh, yeah there's a couple of things I'm I'm really looking forward to and 
and the WrestleMania fashion that always happens. There's always a, a surprise or two coming in. I think that's the biggest thing with Mania when you've got so much stuff around it, Hall of Fame, etc. Uh, there's always a few things, the unknown, and I think that's what we're always uh, you know, looking forward to. And I think this year we, we probably may see a couple of those as well. I will say that um, something that, that WrestleMania can do, and I think maybe some of the other pay-per-views as well, but the, the brand of WrestleMania can do is that people will talk about you know, maybe even two years away, they might say, I'm thinking about going to WrestleMania 35. Or they'll hear the announcement that it's at New Orleans next year and go, oh, I want to go back. I'll go, I'd love to go. I've always wanted to go to New Orleans. I'll go to WrestleMania 34. You've no idea what matches have been announced. You've no idea who's going to be fit, who's going to be in the company, who's going to be wrestling one another. I, I am sure there are some people that decide to watch WrestleMania or to go to a WrestleMania once they hear of a certain match. But I think, generally speaking, people want to go to WrestleMania the brand sells it and that's different from a lot of other sports and um, I'm not going to start delving into UFC Paul will pick me up on it but I would imagine that if there's a UFC event taking place a lot of people will go because they love UFC but a hell of a lot more people will go when they find out that Conor McGregor's fighting for example you know if someone is on the card they'll go I'm not sure that's so true with WWE for things like WrestleMania I'm sure it is for house shows if it's a house show in Fort Lauderdale or something and it's not selling well and then they add Cena to the card I'm sure the tickets start going but Wrestlemania I think people are going to go anyway and I think they're going to get excited anyway and it was just a few things that you were just saying Rich about you know there's going to be surprises I think one of the big things for Wrestlemania is you know they're just going to up the production in whether it's Rusev on top of a tank or it's Triple H with one of his mad Conan the Barbarian outfits or whatever it might be there's something about that the fact that you know that four or six entrances in the evening are going to just be ludicrously over-the-top nonsense. And I say that in the best possible way, because I think wrestling is ludicrous over-the-top nonsense for the most part, and I love it because of that. And I do take it seriously in certain ways, and I think we all should and you know want the best out of it. But you, do, you mentioned the fact that we always talk about it's wrestling, enjoy it. Um, we are not positive for the sake of things. We will certainly say if something is not up to scratch and is... Yep. You know, not good because there's no point. You know, while the world is going, this is terrible, and we're going, no, it's great, because that's you know, a bit corporate shill, and that's not what we're for. But we do say that we're fans, and there is the sometimes there is a good way of going about things, which is not to sit online complaining about things all day, because actually what you'll do is drag yourself down. You're looking for the problems, you're looking for the negatives. If you don't live that way, you'll enjoy it so much more. And that's one of the beauties of the live event is that I have absolutely noticed a correlation between being at the live show, uh, not at the actual venue itself, but a live hooked on party and coming out of the show, talking to each other, talking to some of our um, you know, clientele that have come along and you talk to people and you say did you enjoy it? And they'll go, yeah it's good mania I really enjoyed that, great show, good rumble, good SummerSlam and then you go online and people are going, poor show, didn't enjoy it, it sagged here and the, the opinion online is almost always lower than the, what, what I get in terms of first-hand reaction because I think people have enjoyed the atmosphere of being in the venue as well as throwing themselves into the moment and it's a little bit like doing anything live you might absolutely love a certain band but there's nothing like going to watch them live you might love your football team and watch them on Sky Sports but there's nothing like being in the stadium when they win and I think it goes for a lot of those sorts of things that it's the collective think comedians exactly the same thing go and see a live stand-up well you might as well buy their dvd but no the collective experience and the laughter brings something in out of us i think and i think that works two ways for mania one of which it's being with your fellow fans but also you kind of go it's mania it's special and you can tell yourself that 
perhaps sometimes it builds up to the expectation and you sort of go, well, I was so hyped for it, it couldn't live up to it. But I think, generally speaking, the WrestleMania brand and the vibe of it can kind of carry a lot of stuff through. And I think this year, I feel that there are quite a lot of you know, decent, ma- decent looking matches on the card that I think can carry it. And I, I've got high hopes for this show. What do you think, Paul? Uh, yeah, well, I've I've said that all along. You know, if you look at the card for this year's Mania, it's it's intriguing, it's entertaining, and and I, the the drum I've been banging for weeks is that it's built properly. Vast the vast majority of matches on there have a meaning. There's a reason for everybody to be in the ring with each other. It doesn't feel like you know, last year to me, so disappointing because it just felt like a showcase. It felt like it felt like it was put in place just to show people who might want to invest in WWE or might be licensees or whatever, who might buy the network. This is what we can do. And it just felt like so empty and pointless, not to put too fine a point in it. This year is a complete flip of that. Everything's Everything has a reason to be on the card. Now, I know not everybody's going to agree with all the matches and all the booking, God, you know, I, there's a few that I'd shuffle around as well, of course. But for the most part, I think we've got some brilliant, you know, all right, Goldberg, Brock. It's been announced a little while. Um, not to everybody's taste, personally, I can't wait. Um, uh, AJ against Shane. I, I won't go down the whole card, but that, yeah, to summarise, I think it's going to be. Uh, a really good night full of good action and good surprises I sound like such a shill don't I but no, it's, it's kind no, of you're true you speak in your mind that's fine are you talking about the um, the Brock versus Goldberg match that Goldberg's going to win is that the one you're talking about uh, that might not be the one I'm talking about no, no. well you see I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on saying this I've got a theory about it I've got a theory about the reason that Goldberg may win but mainly the theory is if I keep on about it and it actually happens I look like a genius and if it doesn't happen well, everyone will forget about it so it's, it's win would you it's ex- win, win. would you accept would you expect a SummerSlam cosplay bet on that match Rob no is <laughs> <laughs> no. the answer to that absolutely not um, nah because it is, oh, no I wouldn't I'd accept of some sort of podcast um, forfeit bet. I'll do something. I will do something on the podcast, perhaps within reasonable limits. But I'm not doing the cost. No, no, no. I'm not. A, you know, I'm not a much of a dresser upper. So, we'll okay. I tell you what. You've got until you have got until the next podcast to give bring a set of terms to the table. But it, but I think that you need to put more on the line than me because if I'm having a bet on this, let's say on Paddy Power, I don't know if the uh, the betting odds are up yet on the on the WrestleMania front, but I would suspect that the odds on Goldberg are going to be a lot longer than the odds on Brock. So therefore, I expect you to put more on the table than me. But we'll talk about that on the next. Okay. Podcast. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll put, I'll put. I will put up for my terms right now. No, 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 if no, no, I no. Lo- if I lose that bet, I will turn up to SummerSlam dressed as Goldberg. Mm, no. <laughs> okay. Well, All right. Then. You've got until the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not happy about that being sprung on me. But uh, we will uh, we will work something out for uh, for later in the week. Um, Fine. Final thing on this uh, this year's WrestleMania, Rich. Um, one particular match you're looking forward to? It may well be Brock and Goldberg that we just talked about. Maybe something else. 
Um, for me, uh, you know, love it or hate it, the, the last few, well, many, many years, really, the WrestleMania is all about The Undertaker. What's the entrance? What's going to happen? And, you know, people may not like the idea of Roman Reigns. They're, you know, regardless of your opinion on, on Roman Reigns and The Undertaker, it's still an Undertaker match, and I, I, I can't but not get excited about it. So, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to, to seeing that match. Excellent stuff. Um, let's do a little brief... Um history of Wrestlemania with you let's whiz through Wrestlemanias um, what's the one some of the uh, earlier ones that you can remember seeing can you remember what your first one you saw was the first one that maybe you engaged with a bit more because I think there's sometimes a difference between our first Wrestlemanias and our first one where we sit down and we're a proper fan because I watched Wrestlemania 8 but I'd not really been watching very long I think Wrestlemania 9 was the first one I really felt that I'd been kind of in situ as a fan and knew the storylines and, and all that kind of thing so what, what would be your sort of timeline yeah, I mean, again, I know I spoke about it, you know, very briefly earlier. But for me, growing up in a household with, you know, we had no Sky, so we couldn't see the pay per views from that kind of view. So for me, it, it, it's, it, it's it's very hard to pinpoint when do you actually see it because it probably was actually, I would have seen them, you know, eight, I would have seen seven, I would have seen nine, but it would only be in brief snippets really. So my WrestleMania really was made up of kind of VHSs and. Uh, similar to the Rumble, really, in that instance. You know, I remember seeing the sort of 91 and 92. So, but for me, WrestleMania, is, it's, it probably is going to be a similar timeline. It's going to be that kind of eight, that kind of nine. Um, but how I actually saw them and where I saw them wouldn't have been on a, a live pay-per-view as such. It would have really been on a uh, on a VHS from a friend or when I was, you know, around my sort of, you know, my family's friends and things like that, really. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I am. And it, 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 as we get older, it's very, very hard because you remember through roasting class so we can all now remember we know easily about Andre you know Hogan slamming Andre but it becomes very very crossed over between do we actually remember watching that or have we watched it as an older person and now we kind of so that's that that's where it becomes sort of difficult but I would probably say that kind of era that kind of Wrestlemania 8 that that, that sort of 90 I mean we spoke about Mark earlier. I mean, he went to SummerSlam 92. I was absolutely gutted because he actually went to <laughs> SummerSlam 92. He got tickets. Um, you know, it, 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 I, I think the Legion of Doom looked like they were on a little matchbox uh, coming out, little little tiny motorbikes. He was that high up. But uh, he actually went there. So, yeah, I'd probably say it's kind of around about that sort of WrestleMania 7, WrestleMania 8. But um, as I say, the actual sitting down and watching it is, is probably going to be a little bit later than that. Just due to the fact really that I, I, I didn't grow up in a household where we had access to it so it really wasn't uh, something that was that accessible to me really Fair dues and we're doing these, um, your basic Wrestlemania questions we're knocking out here but I think it's important to uh, get to know you on that level what about um, matches in particular not Hogan um, no. and, we'll, and we'll go from the first um, the first 18 manias or from the ones post 22 because I don't want to get into any prejudice on there uh, on the ones you're going to be judging but uh, <laughs> any um, matches that kind of stick out for you as being some of your favourite Evermania matches that don't involve the Hulkster yeah and, that, and, that, and that, that is very hard for me to do that Rob as you probably know I have to delete, <laughs> for me to delete him from my mind can, I'm not can be hard I'm not asking to delete him but it's just it's a filter it's a filter yeah, of course. No, I completely understand that. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've spoke about them briefly, but again, uh, I, I think a lot of them uh, and probably involves Savage. I mean, Savage was a big was a big part also of me growing up. Um, I remember those matches, and when I look back from 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 watching them, I know 
that you kind of looked at Savage, you looked at Steamboat, that was a massive, a massive thing, you know, and I look back at it. And and I think as an adult, we look at it more technically. I think back when we remember it, you know, being younger, it was a different mindset. But that was a big thing. Um, I enjoyed that. Um, and in later years, I, I, I enjoyed very much watching through the, I know you spoke about it a lot, but the, the Austin uh, Bret Hart. I, I was kind of out of the, um, I know this is going to shock a lot of people, but the attitude area I wasn't really into it because as, as you start to go through I was nearly getting to you know getting towards the college I was doing different things going out socializing so watching back now I can kind of appreciate those as well and I think that was a big uh, a big big match so those probably two are probably big things for me okay what about Wrestlemania's in specific the uh, the totality of the show have you got a, a favorite couple um I, I know he's in it. I know he's in it, but he doesn't actually. He, 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 I, I can't go that far forward because I know we're not allowed to talk about anything. What we're going to be coming up to yet? I think um, you could talk about. I think if if one of your favourite WrestleManias was one of the four that we're about to do, I think you could talk about that as being your favourite. If you just without going into too many specifics, I think that would be fair. Yeah, I think uh, there's a reason behind it as well because it's kind of when I kind of got sort of, you know. Back in, I mean, I, I enjoyed WrestleMania tw- 21 for me. I really enjoyed it. I thought that was a really good thing for me in the in the sort of previous uh, previous encounters. It had been a long while, but but going back, it's probably uh, I, I would say WrestleManias. Yeah, I think really for me, 21 of, of recent is a is a big one of enjoyment for me. Uh, that is um, that is an, a, a thought shared by at least one person. Uh, other than you participating in this podcast, we'll find out. We'll find out <laughs> okay. more about that in uh, in a very very short amount of time because we are going to move on now to uh, the WrestleMania Impossible task. Um, I reset this every week. I, Rich, I know you know what the uh, the score is, but just for anyone that's uh, that's new listening, um, Paul Benson let slip to me a few weeks ago that he had never seen WrestleManias one or two. I demanded that he go back and watch those from the start, and indeed, while we were at it, I set him a little task of making sure he watched every WrestleMania from 1 through to 32 before 33 took place. He's been doing it extremely well, so well that we're able to put in some extra podcast time to make sure we get through to 32 and before WrestleMania itself. We're on course now to do so with these extra ones we're putting in. Um, I think you're. We're, we're going up to WrestleMania 22 today. I think you're a little bit past that, Paul. Is that right? You're a little bit past it that we can. Uh, we're, we're catching you up. I'm home and dry, mate. Um, I'm on 26. Wow. Halfway through 26 at wow. the moment. Yeah, I am absolutely flying, aided by a lot of working at home recently. So I've put my little iPad on my desk next to my computer. When I'm not on the phone, I've had WrestleMania on in the background, so I've been able to crack through a couple a day. Superb. That is uh, very good going, so you're up to 26. Um, so we are going to uh, go through WrestleMania's 19 to 22 today. It is not an extensive um, rundown and review. Goodness me, we don't have time. But what we've been doing is what I call the WrestleMania mixtape. So what we're doing is uh, Paul and I will take it in turns to go first, when I remember what the order is, because I'm an idiot. Um, but we take our turns in going first and putting up a match that we think should be included on a fictional WrestleMania mixtape. That is to say, if you were introducing someone to WrestleMania right now, bringing them to one of Hooked on Wrestling's WrestleMania 33 parties in one of the eight venues we mentioned earlier, that you would bring them along and you need to educate them in WrestleMania, bring them right up to speed from start to finish before WrestleMania 33, but you can only show them one match from each WrestleMania. What match would you choose? Now... I stress a lot that this is not necessarily the best match on each card. It is not necessarily the most entertaining. It is not necessarily your favourite. 
it could be the one that's the most um, historically significant. It could be significant because of a certain individual involved in what they went on to do. Uh, it could simply be because it's very good. It may be that it's very bad and actually it represents that WrestleMania. For example, it didn't get voted on, but I suggested Doink versus Crush from WrestleMania 9 because to me that epitomised that WrestleMania because I don't think it was a very good one. As it happens, um, I think it was uh, Doug Williams that was the, the judge on that occasion put uh, an alternative match uh, on uh, that Paul had suggested. Let's give you a quick rundown, if I can, very quickly, about uh, what have gone on so far. And I'll tell you the judges involved as well, because I've got a nice little spreadsheet now. Um, from WrestleMania 1, this was Rob Lee was the person that uh, uh, suggested the first three, or at least was the judge on the first three, um, which was um, Hulk Hogan, uh, Mr. T versus Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff from WrestleMania 1, the British Bulldogs versus the Dream Team from WrestleMania 2, and Hogan versus Andre from 3, uh, all of which were Paul's choices. Um, Cap. Miller and Jay O'Leary, who uh, will soon be Mr. and Mrs. They're getting married out at uh, WrestleMania. Um, if you want to hear their po all of these podcasts are available in our archives, of course, that you can listen to. Uh, they suggested from WrestleMania 4, or they made their minds up for Savage DBRC from WrestleMania 4, Warrior vs. Rick Rude from 5, Warrior vs. Hogan from 6, and Undertaker vs. Jimmy Snooker from 7. It was Next up was uh, the turn of Doug Williams uh, for the next three. And he helped us put on Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper from 8, Steiner Brothers versus Head Shrinkers from the aforementioned WrestleMania 9, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon from 10, Dean Ayas helped us put in Shawn Michaels versus Diesel from 11, Warrior versus Triple H from 12, Bret versus Stone Cold from 13, and Stone Cold versus Shawn Michaels from 14. We're on a bit of a Stone Cold run here because he's also in 15, which was uh, put on by D uh, Dave Mastiff, who was on our last podcast, excellent guest. Um, he put on Stone Cold versus The Rock from 15, Chris Benoit versus Chris Jericho versus Kurt Angle from 16, The Rock versus Stone Cold again from 17, and Rock v Hogan, which I'm sure will have warmed the heart of uh, Richie PP, uh, going into WrestleMania 18. Not that we had much choice, I ought to put out, put on. Um, so we are on to WrestleMania 19 after that long setup. Um, what we haven't been doing, Paul, is doing much of a what did you think of those menus um, thing, which we were we were going to do originally. So. Let's allow ourselves a bit more of that on this particular podcast. So it's WrestleMania 19. You would have watched it a, a few days ago on your schedule. Um, yep. What do you remember from WrestleMania 19 that you didn't, frankly, you didn't need reminding, but uh, what, well, what are your impressions of it? I'm really glad you've said that in a way because, you know, the run of WrestleMania 17 to 22 is, in my, well, no, in, in arguably the greatest run of WrestleManias in history. Um, I don't know inarguably, but I agree with you. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I would, I would see anybody struggle to make an argument for any other six WrestleManias in back to back being as strong as those Agreed. as that collection. I, I don't think there's a there's a debate. Um, and WrestleMania 19 specifically was one that I was super, hugely looking forward to. Um, without getting into my choices, you know, there's there's four or five matches on there that all could conceivably have been the main event. Um, and I remember going through the card at the time I was a mass well still I'm a massive Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle fan going through the card going they can't main event can they they can't be ahead of Rock and Stone Cold they can't be ahead of Austin McMahon they can't be ahead of this and they were and it was just such the, the pacing of that card the matches were incredible the the way the card sort of built in importance and built in significance as it went through uh, it was just just absolutely phenomenal and in my opinion the best Wrestlemania of all time that's what I was getting to I know that's your uh, your favourite uh, of all the Wrestlemanias um, I agree with pretty much everything you said about the show itself 
although I will point out an interesting little Freudian slip um, amongst what you said, because you actually talked about um, Austin versus McMahon being on that uh, on that show. Of all oh, my of the guests my for apologies. us to have on, Paul, for us <laughs> to have Richie on, <laughs> and you forget that it was Hulk Hogan. I, I, know. I, I actually amalgamated two matches. I, I, I felt when I was saying that I was missing one that was important, and I actually just shoved two together. Sorry, obviously Austin Rock and no, you said, Hogan McMahon. You said Rock Austin, and then you said Austin uh, McMahon. We knew what you meant. Um, yep. but, uh, because because basically I'm not a very nice person, I thought I'd point it out and make a fool of you. <laughs> uh, uh, it is though. At least I'm uh, still picking in order. Ron. That, yes, very good, very good indeed. Yes, I had a bit of a, I went off piste somewhat. Um, let's uh, let's follow it to the letter then, and it is an odd number, which means you are picking first. So uh, you have the first dibs on the choice on your, which is appropriate since it's your favourite WrestleMania. Um, my favourite WrestleMania, and I have, and, and I've not agonised over a WrestleMania and what to pick as much as I have this one. I think this is a uh, tough one. I, I, I don't know what you're going to choose, and even even if you pick one, I sort of don't know what my second choice is. So I'm I'm very uh, interested to see what you pick here because I don't know what to pick. Like, likewise, mate. There are literally four matches that I go in. I'm still sort of in two minds as I'm speaking now, but um, I'm gonna go with uh, and there's probably <laughs> a degree of gamesmanship here but I'm going to go with um, Hulk Hogan against Vince McMahon <laughs> for this one now, now hear me, hear I me can't out believe you <laughs> hear me out hear me out now like I said this is a Wrestlemania where you look at those top four matches and there is not a wrong choice for this a really credible argument can be made for all four and I'm sure the argument you make for number two will be just as valid and just as good as the argument I make for this one yeah like it all matter yeah go on I'm going with this purely because you know this we our mixtape is the story of Wrestlemania it's the story of Wrestlemania and who are the two biggest players in that story of Wrestlemania um, both were certainly in front of the camera and behind the camera than, than Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon. Um, this is a story that they use, they use that WrestleMania building block to, to, to put this story on. Um, and it was a decent build. It was, if it, you know, it was obviously there. They'd obviously decided on the match and worked backwards because it's a good marquee having Hogan McMahon. Um, but the really great thing about this match was that it surpassed every expectation everybody had for that match you knew that Michaels Jericho, Austin Rock and Lesnar Angle were going to be barnstormingly great matches, this one should have been a stinker but in reality it was one of the most interesting fun brawl type matches there's ever been in WWE the visual that everyone remembers of McMahon rising from the ring apron, covered in blood with that evil grin on his face. Hogan covered in blood. Roddy Piper coming in and harking back to the first WrestleMania. You could argue, and, and WWE presented it as such, that this match is the story of WrestleMania. So I would say for all those reasons, it would be remiss of me um, because we have such an unbiased judge today, it would be remiss of me to pick any other match other than Hulk Hogan against Vince McMahon. Thank you for uh, putting your case across. Um, I am going to rebut with... Um, in fact, I'll tell you a couple that I'm not going to choose first. Um, I'm not going to choose Rock and Austin. Um, I was tempted to, because we've put the other two Rock Austin ones on, um, 
and I, I didn't want, in fact, I don't think I voted for either of the other two, um, and I certainly didn't vote for the second one because I thought we've had one, we don't need two. There's an argument to say if you're going to have two, you need three to sort of have the whole trilogy, but um, I think it's a bit of an afterthought for the two of them at this WrestleMania. It was kind of thrown in. Um, I don't think either of their characters were that hot at the time. There is a story that um, that was Austin's last match, which you kind of feel that someone as iconic as him, um, you know, that you may well have uh, included him for that, but I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to do Brock and Angle. Um, I was tempted to. It's a very, very good match up until at the end. It's a little bit of a difficult watch to, to watch Lesnar fall on his head or try and that shooting star. Um, I will say as a quick aside... I do think Brock Lesnar has one of the more interesting WrestleMania stories. Because um, I don't think Brock has had... I think can only think of one match, really, that Brock's had at WrestleMania, which I think is any good. And I'm a, I like Brock Lesnar. I think he's excellent. Um, but I think the, the angle match is good, but up until a point, it's not the best match that they ever had um, by, by a stretch. Um, obviously, the Goldberg thing the following year was uh, you know, the stuff of legend, but for the wrong reason. Um, I don't think Brock versus Triple H was particularly good. I don't think Brock versus Undertaker was any good. I know it's the big moment no, it because wasn't. of the, the streak thing, but it was a poor match up until that point, possibly because Undertaker took a, a bang on the head during. Um, Brock versus Ambrose? Mm, not really. Um, Terrible. So I think Brock and Reigns is probably Brock's only good WrestleMania match, if that's not a, too much of a controversial opinion. Actually, his match with Angle is probably good. I shouldn't say it's not I good. was going to say, I yeah. strongly disagree it's with you on the Angle match. It's, not that it's, it's not, fantastic. It's not that it's not good, but I do think, and I I mentioned on the previous podcast about a fool that once said about the the uh, Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker match was, you know, you'd take a star off it or whatever because Undertaker missed the dive, which is nonsense. But I do genuinely think that you have to take a little bit off of that Angle-Lesnar match because of the the shooting star missing. One, because it just makes the finish really, really clunky. And two, because it's so hard to watch. I find it... I can't watch it. It's just horrible. Um, because I don't like to see people you know, knowing that they get hurt off of something. And it could have been much, much worse. Um, so anyway, that's a little aside on Brock. Um, the match I'm going to choose, I think this is going to be slightly... Uh, um, so a slightly pyrrhic choice, but um, I, th I think Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho is the one I'm going to go for. Um, it's a really, really excellent match. Um, am I? I don't know if I'm right in saying is this Shawn's comeback WrestleMania match? I think is this. It is. is this this yeah, is his first match at WrestleMania in so many years. So you felt this was kind of special because when he came back at SummerSlam um, the year before, I thought that was a one-off and that was kind of him done, but. You know, he came back for the chamber and won the title. And um, but he had this run with Jericho, not his finest run with Jericho. When they did their matches a few years later, um, I still think one of the greatest angles of all time, one of the greatest storylines, I should say, of all time. Um, but this was a really great WrestleMania match. Loads of fun. The right choice to win. Jericho getting the, the moment afterwards with the hug and then the low blow. Just a terrifically fun match. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we have enough good matches on our mixtape so far. I think we have a lot of iconic things. But I'd like to see a few more really good wrestling matches. So I'm going to put up Sean versus Jericho. It's been an excellent wrestling match on a very strong WrestleMania. Um, but particularly this one, I think, is the best match of the night. We have said that we aren't always going to go with the best matches. But I feel, and I do bow to the fact that Hogan and McMahon are probably the most two most important people in WrestleMania history. For, so for them to be facing one another um, is a big deal. You're right, Paul, that it was a better match than it had a right to be. But ultimately... It was. It didn't mean anything. It would, the WrestleMania wouldn't have been worse without it. The history of the WrestleMania is not told by that match. Um, so that is why I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. So 
I uh, look forward to seeing what the world's biggest Hulkamaniac makes of me not suggesting a Hulk Hogan match. I don't have a good record at this so far, um, but uh, let's see how we go. Over to you, Rich, to make your decision. Yeah, um, first of all, to be fair, great choice um, on Shawn Michaels versus Jericho. From what I can remember, and I know it's a, I haven't been, like yourselves, having to obviously keep up on these, I'm sure it's the one where each other's finishers and that kind of stuff was used if I remember rightly um, but it was a great great match the crowd I remember the crowd on that Shawn Michaels Jericho match were absolutely into it um, however the I am a Hulkamanic we know that but that aside are you? you kept that correct no I know I know I know I don't like to talk about it well, I don't <laughs> like to talk about it um, but that aside to be fair it was it was 20 years in the making the, the, the build to that match was there was lots of stuff really out of the ring really in terms of what Hulk was doing and testifying and so much that built that match up to what it was uh, I think Paul's right really uh, a lot of people had a low opinion of what that match was going to be of course I'm biased however I think it came across very very well um, I think it was a, you know, a great match there is one other thing as well uh, I did say earlier with the the hot three in terms of my top three items um, and I didn't mention the third one not that this by any means is, is swaying my decision. Um, I actually have uh, Hulk Hogan's left ring-worn boot from WrestleMania 19 against uh, Vince McMahon, the legend. I have that in my, in my possession. So not that that is swaying me absolutely one bit. Um, however, on this occasion, I will have to put into the mixtape because I think Vince has not been seen. If this mixtape is to show people the true meaning of WrestleMania, to show them what it's all about. All jokes aside, we haven't seen Vince. No one's seen Vince in front of the camera. This is showing Vince in a very good physique, we've got to say, on that on that basis, looking very good, looking very strong. Um, and as Paul said, it really does um, put together the whole meaning of WrestleMania, which was Hulk Hogan and Vincent McMahon. So my choice on this occasion would be to put on the mixtape Hulk Hogan versus Vince McMahon. You, sir, are a very smart man. Because what you did there was, um, admittedly, I think you made the wrong choice, obviously. You didn't choose mine. But, brilliantly, you made that about Vince. So you didn't just say, I'm putting it in because of the Hulkster. You brought it about Vince. So that's uh, to your credit, I think. Um, well done, Paul. I was expecting you to win that one from the minute I knew what you were going to pick. Um, but uh, I will say, as I've said for others, that um, there's been some I've wanted to fight you on, and I thought it's the wrong choice. Um this one, I do think it's the wrong choice, but I, I'm certainly not prepared to go to war for it. I think it's, uh, I think it was a, a reasonable choice. I think we could have chosen another two or three from that show. Yeah, uh, I, I fully agree. I fully agree. There's literally, like I said, the top four matches, I wouldn't have an argument with any of them. Any of them. Yeah, there was. Um, I would if. Yeah, good. If course. Richard had taken leave of his senses and gone with uh, Angle, uh, sorry, uh, Jericho Michaels, there, I would have, I would have taken my heart off. It's, it would have been completely justified. Fair do. We're all being quite mixed here, because it does a good. It shows the standard of the WrestleManias. Um, let's see if we continue to be. So, in fact, no. Let's, let's have a quick sidebar because I want to know a bit more about that boot. So, um, that's a that's a hell of a piece of um, kit to have. To how how do you come about having someone's left boot from the match? Um, I got it, it came to my possession um, from a collector, uh, obviously Hulk's based in Clearwater, um, Florida. Um, I, a collector over there, had it in his possession. Um, I've got another good friend of mine, actually, uh, Dave Rector, who's one of the Hulk Hogan collectibles guys. He's actually got 
Hulk Hogan's left boot from WrestleMania 18 against The Rock. Um, I don't know why it's the left boot that always becomes available. Um, however, it, on that kind of circuit, the collecting circuit, it came up. Um, it became to my my knowledge. Um, I messaged and harassed the person who owned it, um, really given the reasons why. And, and you have to do sometimes in these. It isn't always. I know a lot of people will think, Oh, it must be money. It must be the biggest money, but it doesn't always. Sometimes, in, the, in especially with, with Hulk and collecting, um, it does come down sometimes to the fact that uh, if you kind of show why you want it and why you've got it. I mean, for me being in the UK, I mean, if we think about what that boot's gone through and where it's gone to be in my collection, um, that's basically a lot of the story, really. And the guy who had it, um, he didn't really know exactly what he had. So what I would say is he um, he isn't really a a, a huge Hulk Hogan or collectible kind of guy um, he had got it um, and as I say from that it was a case that I, I managed to obtain it uh, by the jealousy of a lot of the guys on the, the uh, Hulk Hogan collectibles a lot of the guys out there Shane and Dave very much wanted it um, however I got it so yeah it got shipped over from Clearwater um, to me and uh, is in my in my possession much to uh, my wife's absolute amazement why uh, <laughs> why I've got some boot that doesn't fit my uh, you know my size nine why have i got a size 14 boot with airbrushed on the side of hulk hogan but for me um yeah and, and that's it you know for me to look at that and, and whether you are a hogan fan or not even a collectible but to look at that and to think and that's the hard thing with collecting as, as paul said earlier we can all go and get and nothing against that because it's a great way we can all go to the shops and get a you know a figure or a hogan figure but to get the ring worn ring used items is so 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 hard and that is what I've always always wanted to have something that was used I mean to get something against that uh, you know against Vince in Wrestlemania um, so it's a, a, a big big item for me and, and probably might have even featured if I would have told you guys earlier but it would have been wrong to me to say about it because obviously uh, it may have swayed your, your decision even further <laughs> I, think that's, I think it's absolutely incredible let me ask you a question as well Rich you say that's, that, that boot's been through a lot of owners over the years before it got to you will it ever have another owner? no no. <laughs> Good answer. No, Good no, 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 no. There are some things, that, and I would say in my collecting, and I've had some, I have had some rare items. There's a lot of, uh, you know, Hogan being the star as he was for so long that he had so much merchandise that there are some merchandise that I, you know, items I've had. I mean, if you think back to the, the figures, I mean, we all know the sort of Hasbro from the UK. There was a line of, of uh, LJN uh, was the figures. And if any of you actually see, there's a, it was a program, actually, an American program, toy. I think it's toy toy collector, a guy who actually went to Hogan's Beach Shop. It was one of the uh, the Black Eyed Peas, who was actually the guy that is massively, massively into figures, and he wanted one of the. Uh, it was a black card, it's called. So the actual card that the figure sat on was actually a black card. It was one of the late ones they did, and that is a very, very hard item to come by. Now I've had one of those, um, and I have subsequently, you know, sold that. Um, I've also had a couple of the Hulk Hogan. Uh, one of 100 so they actually released 100 figures that was all and it was actually when he was down as a under the uh, the boulder name rather than hulk hogan uh, and again for wow. other items yeah for other items they, they have actually gone so um i have had two of those in, in my time and uh, you know for whatever reason they've had to go and sometimes it's not it's just real life and that's what i'd say with you know with with collecting sometimes 
I don't smoke, you know, I drink on occasion um, this evening, the yeah, Brewdog. Um, however, for me, if it needs to be the case, some items like that, they are achievable. You can get those items. But something like that, that is a one of a kind. You are never, ever going to get a chance to get that item again. And, and, and for that reason, yeah, it's, it's not going anywhere. It's, you know, it's with me to stay. So if there's a fire at Pemberton Towers tonight, the one material item that you pick up is that boot. Let, let 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 me let me tell you now exactly. If I have to six one nine Mrs Pemberton off the balcony, she's going down, and then I'll have to quickly. <laughs> the boot the boot is going to be staying wrapped around my shoulders, and I'll be jumping off. But yeah, you know, it's, uh, all, all jokes all jokes aside, yeah, it is, and, and I don't care, and I don't mind admitting it. You know, I know for some people they'll find it crazy, thinking how can you get look at a boot, but let's face it you know uh, if we look at a lot of the wrestlers and i know you guys and especially the guys listening probably don't always look at people's attire and what they're wearing but some of them have got very basic you know uh, austin was always the black you know very basic boot hogan's boots if you actually go back and start to look i mean they were they were actually airbrushed by a guy called gary smith so um who's actually based in in, in clearwater as well and he did he actually did Hogan's boots. So if you actually start to look at the detail um, in those boots, it's not just a case of, you know, back in the 80s and the era of Hogan at the beginning and versus Andre, we always remember seeing that big boot and it was just a yellow boot with loads of laces. But as we went into the 90s, um, that era changed and his, his actual outfits changed. If you start to look at the boots, that's why you really can see because I, I know a lot of people would say well how can you tell that's that boot how can you surely it's just another boot but if you actually look at the airbrushing and if you look at that Wrestlemania 19 for example you'll see you know Hogan's faces on it the bandanas on it the way the actual artwork the actual airbrushing is all the way down through the boot you cannot replicate that boot that boot could never be replicated because it is literally a one-off that's airbrushed and that's um that's one of the biggest things i think really with 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 kind of collecting and especially the hogan stuff that as you go through his time you start to see so much detail and he was as you said before he was business he was all about you know the persona the charismatic guy and and that really did feature in all of his clothing it was always bright you knew what it was uh, you know, nobody would never not know what a Hulkamania shirt was, and uh, even down to his boots as well. Uh, I do you ever wear it? I have this. I have this image of you wearing <laughs> no. one one boot, limping along the street, actually walking with one leg on the pavement and one leg off, just so your shoulders are level. This, this massive boot on. <laughs> No, no, I don't. And I can just say now, if anybody goes to to the hooked on parties and sees a guy who looks like he's limping around in some boot, that is not me. That is somebody who, <laughs> who is basically, yeah, no, no, I, no, I don't. Um, I have put my foot next to it out externally to see the size difference um, of, because, you know, size 14, that might have been one of your trivia questions, but Hogan wore a size 14 boot. Um, <laughs> so you can you can see, and obviously the height of it where it actually comes up to. Um, but other than that, no, I've not, I've not, I've not, worn any of the items um i've not i've not done anything it really is just a case of of having it and yeah you know and, and having it in the collection excellent stuff that's a really great story that's so much fun to have someone that uh, has that level of intimacy with one of the matches that we have on our mixtapes absolutely superb right what's going on next we're on to wrestlemania 20 the tagline where it all begins again is what they said um uh, it's a difficult choice on this one for uh, a different reason um, I think it's clear the choice of match that should go on, and it's a difficult thing to um, uh, to put it into context. But I feel that we're all grown-ups, and we're able to um, appreciate 
circumstances uh, that have happened outside of the uh, contrived world of wrestling. No one, um, no one with any sense anyway, uh, would ever trivialise uh, the events that concluded Chris Benoit's life, which were horrible and tragic and don't need raking over on a podcast such as this. Um, we can all live with that in our own way, um, but I don't think it should preclude um, us from remembering what he did in the ring and how he lived his life for the vast majority of it before the end. Um, if anyone ever says he should go into Hall of Fame, they're quite frankly certifiable. There's no way um, you either should put anyone in the Hall of Fame knowing what he did, um, or whether you should um, even think that WWE would consider it given what the position that they're in, what a PR disaster it would be. Um, the Hall of Fame is for the person, not the character, not the talent. Um, it's for the person. It's a different thing. Um, so that aside, um, we already have a Chris Benoit match in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the mixtape, so it's not like it's uh, uh, something that we haven't already done. That was a triple threat, and this is another triple threat. Um, but I am going to propose Chris Benoit versus Triple H versus Shawn Michaels. Um, it was the triple threat for the, uh, the World Heavyweight Championship that concluded WrestleMania 20. Um, and it is not just for the match, which is up there with as good a triple threat as you'll ever see. The triple threat is a very, very, very hard match to do. Um, a lot of people will tell you that the best ever is AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels versus Samoa Joe. Um, I wouldn't want to talk you out of that if that's your opinion. I think this one is better. Um, I think it's an absolutely outstanding wrestling match where all three of them were potential winners. Um, and in the end, the winner overall winning his first world title... Uh, in WWE anyway, he'd been a WCW champion, but his first one in WWE was Chris Benoit, uh, a wrestler that the fans respected the hell out of, that they wanted to see win, um, and then you got to finish the evening uh, with the incredible visual of him and Eddie Guerrero, real life best friends, um, careers intertwined, um, hugging it out, both as champion on top of the world at that point. Um, what happened afterwards for both men, utterly tragic and no trivialising will go on on this podcast and we'll, we will leave it there. But in terms of the rest, the story of WrestleMania, the quality of the match, the great moment, I have to put up Benoit versus Triple H versus Sean. Paul. Okay. Well, I'm going to take this quite slow because I've got quite a plodding argument as to as to why I should get, get, get the Duke here. Um, first of all, in terms of a pure wrestling match, there's no argument. Um, the match you've picked is the best match at that WrestleMania arguably the best main event um, in terms of pure match quality up to this point and I've told the story before on this podcast about how there's no wrestling match before or since that has elicited such emotion from me um, when Triple H was in the crossface and I'm screaming tap you bitch, tap you bitch at the screen on literally on the edge of my seat why are you saying this again? We want this guy to like us. We want to go to the UK tournament stuff. And you're saying the bitch story again. What are you thinking, man? <laughs> Hear me out. Hear me out. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. It's because I'm trying to build yours up while I, so I can knock it down. Yeah, okay. um, ultimately, though, this match is, is, is not part of the WrestleMania story. Um, you know, partly because Partly because of the, um, of the fact that Chris Benoit, you know, didn't didn't work out as champion at all you know purely on a business point of view he was he was a busted flush um he took a back seat to the triple h Shawn michaels storyline for the last few next few months and then lost to randy orton at SummerSlam. didn't uh, you know you could argue he even take a bloody back seat to eugene 
um, following WrestleMania. And obviously, ladle on top of that, the fact that, you know, the, the Benoit situation did happen and it, you know, it does take the shine off it. Arguably, if it was me that was picking first and I was going for an emotional moment, I probably would have picked Eddie against Angle. Um, highlight of Eddie's career, that guy, you know, has only fond memories and it was a great, great match with a funny, cheeky ending that kind of does allow us to look back and have a nice smile and see this guy in the best light. But anyway, I'm not going for that either. Um, and by the way, we've both gone well over our 60 seconds um, on oh, each of these. I think that stops on, on the second podcast. Scrap, I think we, we, scrap, we have enough fun we... with it now. There's no time limits now that we've moved on. What I'm going for... Um, well, I'll tell you why I'm going for this. We, well, You made the very solid, uh, correct argument that WrestleMania 7 should have the uh, the start of the Undertaker story. And, and I, I just like I mentioned thinking. about, just like I mentioned about Hogan McMahon last time out being the, the architects of WrestleMania, the thread of the modern-day WrestleMania from the early '90s through to the the positive day, the present day has been Undertaker and his streak. We haven't checked in with that for a while. Um, where it all begins again. Oh, I don't know what you're picking. I thought I knew what you were going to say there. No, you're not. You're going to do where something else. Where it all begins again could be the tagline for WrestleMania 20, and it could also be the tagline for Undertaker's career. Um, this was obviously the time where he, he put his biker persona to rest. He came back out as a dead man, Paul Bearer in tow with the druids and the flaming torches in Madison Square Garden. That entrance couldn't have been any more iconic. It's probably the best entrance in wrestling history, never mind WrestleMania history. Paul Bearer looking at the ring, clutching the urn. You're no son of mine. And then we go on to get Taker Kane at WrestleMania. And yes, it was a bad match. You know, if, if we want to, if we want to label it that, but this is the the next massive road mark on the Undertaker story of WrestleMania, um, and he is, you know, forget Shawn Michaels for a second. Undertaker truly is Mr. WrestleMania from 1991 onwards, and and this is arguably the most important WrestleMania in his career since that WrestleMania Seven victory over Superfly Jimmy Snooker. So for that reason, I'm gonna put. The Undertaker and Kane um, as my nomination for this mixtape. I have a Rich? couple. Of, I have a couple. No, I have a couple of points to make first. First of all, well, I thought you, I thought you were going to pick Cena and Big Show then, because I thought you were going to start talking about it being the, the start of the John Cena WrestleMania story. Um, I thought what was what, what I thought that was what you were going to go with. In fact, I'll, I'll save anything else I've got to say because I don't want to poison uh, Rich's mind. It's not fair of me to uh, come back in with more stuff. I could have some stuff to say, but I shall leave it. So uh, over to you, Richie, for uh, your decision. <laughs> Okay, um, I, I definitely over the 60 seconds by both of you, and I don't know, I didn't see any notes regarding impressions, got extra points or anything like that, but it was a very good, uh, very good uh, impression there, Mr. Benson, from you. Um, <laughs> I, I think really, and we won't you know, go on about it too much, I know Rob said there, this whole point of this uh, is terms of a mixtape. So the mixtape is to show people um, about WrestleMania. So they have no idea. They don't know who people are. They don't know what people are. So I think from from, from that, we need to kind of, you know, remove what did happen um, with the tra tragic situation. Um, I to think be the fair, other thing, I agree. 
yeah um and that's you know that's i've got i've got a judge my my mind has got to be set on that and i'm looking at the uh, you know the bio for what we need to be doing and what you guys have obviously set as part of the challenge um as much as i agree the undertaker and kane has got a part of that um i think really that the, the sort of chris benoit part you know in terms of if people have been watching this wrestlemania mixtape they've seen the history of the big guys they've seen the big huge guys that have been winning these titles um and i think a big part of this really in history especially for from a mixtape point of view is that kind of Benoit story the smaller guy the guy that you know uh, a lot of people the critics everyone kind of said that he wasn't going to be getting anything he wasn't going to get to that level um, and I think really it's only fair in, in this instance in terms of championships and so on um, that for that reason that, that, that triple threat match needs to go in um, so people can kind of get an idea of how the business was starting to change um, regardless of obviously the bigger guys how it started and how it went through it really was starting to go through that so for, from that really and that alone uh, as I say really just based on the wrestling in the ring and what actually happened uh, and the whole part of the mixtape I would be putting in the uh, the triple threat match with Triple H Shawn Michaels and Chris Benoit yes justice um, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the board I always worry when I don't get the first one on the board so I'm like I want to actually uh, have some representation from each time um, what I was going to say I didn't need to in the end because Rich made the right decision but um, your point, Paul, about Benoit's title run not really working out is a fair enough point, except for the fact that that was one of the points that I made for Ultimate Warrior versus Hogan not going in because of how, because of how Warrior ended up working out, and that got in anyway. So I was about to say, well, you can't let Warrior Hogan go in and then take out Benoit for basically the same reason. But it doesn't matter because they're both in, and uh, in my opinion, justice has been done. So, um, <laughs> any uh, any other points, Paul, before we move on to uh, WrestleMania 21? Um, I think again, like the last one, I think it's a, I think both both would have been a fair shout. I genuinely, do you know what? When I came into this, I knew you had first dibs on that, and I think if I'd have had first dibs, I might have been tempted to go with the triple threat as well. But I convinced myself, I'd, I'd built up a strong enough <laughs> argument in my head where I was genuinely surprised that Rich picked against me there. I, I was basically streaking around my living room thinking, you've done this, Benson. You've done it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think it's probably the right, you know, it, it's as right a choice as any for that one. We move on to WrestleMania 21. In my opinion, my favourite WrestleMania of all time, I think I share that with Richie based on what he said earlier on, there are yep. honourable mentions for 17 and 19 uh, in my list, but I particularly love this WrestleMania um, for many reasons. I liked the presentation of this WrestleMania. Um, I thought they did a really good job of... Um, there's generally a theme for everything, and this was WrestleMania Goes Hollywood. Um, and that get, offers up the potential to be really cheesy. Um, it was the fact that it was at the Staples Center in Los Angeles, so they went with the uh, Goes Hollywood thing, but I thought they did a wonderful job of making WrestleMania seem like a massive, massive thing. They involved celebrity to an extent, but they kept them on the back burner. Um, indeed, again, I have the Wikipedia page up. It says here, this is a, I'm going to read this list because it's an impressive list, um, and I, do, I remember them going a few times to the, uh, the celebrity theme. But it said, celebrity guests in attendance for WrestleMania 21 included 
David Arquette, Motorhead, Adam Sandler, Rob Schneider, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top, The Black Eyed Peas, Billy Corgan from The Smashing Pumpkins, Anthony Kiedis from The Red Hot Chili Peppers, Ice Cube, Carmen Electra, Sylvester Stallone, I don't know who Marge Haglenberger is, Matt Groening, Rick Rubin, Will Sasso and Macaulay Culkin. That's a pretty impressive list of people, by the way. Um, but what they did a good job of was making this WrestleMania about the wrestlers. So in the early days, there was a lot of, not overshadowing, but there was a lot made of Lawrence Taylor, or going further back, Muhammad Ali, or um, Cindy Lauper, or Ozzy Osbourne, or whoever it might have been. And, and having celebrities around was necessary to try and promote things. As WrestleMania got going, they soon realised that they could make it about the wrestlers. But this, was, I think, was a good marriage of WrestleMania being Hollywood, but still the WWE being the stars. And I happen to love all the little um, promo videos that they made. Do you remember those guys with the, all the movie parodies that they did? Do we, I? Um, Do I? Yeah, they were absolutely brilliant, were they not? Uh, genuinely well done. Like, I particularly remember the, uh, the A Few Good Men one with uh, Cena and JBL. Yep. Just being very, very good and showing that JBL could act. And, you know, he's very good. And starting off the show with Austin as Gladiator and just so many other ones, some amusing ones, the Taxi Driver ones. Just very, very funny, I thought, and very good. Excellently done. And I thought the whole theme of this WrestleMania was perfect. Um, it's got one of my favourite matches of all time on it. I can't say just yet because Paul may choose it first. And uh, we'll have to work around that. So it is my favourite. I think... A very, very good WrestleMania start to finish. Excellent wrestling. Feels important. Some iconic matches and some stars made. Um, and we'll talk about that you know, in a little bit because I don't want to get, you know, spoil any, ma any match choices. I'll maybe do it when it hands over to me. But uh, I love this WrestleMania, but although it is not a difficult decision to me for which one to pick. So if Paul picks it, I might fall on my sword a little bit here because there is one <laughs> match on this that has to go in. So um, on you go, sir. Well, first of all, allow me to just indulge a little bit about WrestleMania, because I think what we sh what we like you mentioned earlier, what we should do is talk a little bit more about the WrestleManias themselves yes. when we're going through. This. I think we've skipped it for the past couple of weeks, but you know, I'm I'm in agreement with you two guys. This is a fantastic WrestleMania. I rank it a third. I'm a bit of a geek. I've got my top ten WrestleManias, and I put this one third behind 19 and 17. I think it's absolutely fantastic from start to finish. I think, like you say, the staging and the theme is great. The fact it is about the wrestling, the fact that it's about the, uh, I don't really like the term, but the new generation coming to the fore. It really, really felt like a changing of the guard, this WrestleMania, in a really positive way. Um, and then um, the vignettes, those those uh, Hollywood vignettes that could have been so cheesy and so terrible. Do you remember it started with the Eugene Forrest Gump yeah. one at the Royal Rumble? Yeah. Um, and it came out of nowhere. It was great. And they just built. In fact, when I went back to watch this the other week, it showed you the little, the WrestleMania. This WrestleMania starts, doesn't it, with like a highlight package of those vignettes. Yep. And then that highlight package ends with the full Steve Austin Gladiator um, thing. Now, I have to say, Gladiator is my joint very favorite film of all time. So you're already onto a winner with me if you homage that. But the, the Austin. The Austin parody of Gladiator just made me grin like I've not grinned in so much time. Just here, my name is Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he's there in his helmet with the sand, and it just absolutely brilliant. And it made me go back and watch all the others, and they're all they're all great. Every single one of them. And I just thought it was such a well done bit of presentation, a bit of staging for Mania that set the stage. Anyway, I digress slightly. Onto the matches and onto my pick. This is the first. 
WrestleMania where I've had first pick, where I actually don't want first pick. <laughs> I actually, I actually feel like I'd be better fighting from underneath on this one. I feel like I'd be better coming back at which one, at what Rob picks. There's again, like WrestleMania 19, there are four matches I'm looking at, arguably five matches that have all got significant historic um, importance. Um, and I'm, re- and I'm even now, I'm, I'm, and I think I've just decided what I am going to pick. But I'm probably going to kick myself because I think I'm going wrong. But I'm going to... I'm sorry, Rob. I'm going to pull the carpet out from underneath you. And I'm going to go with Kurt Angle against Shawn Michaels. Um, <laughs> I know that's what you want. I know that's what you wanted as well. Um, but, but the reason is I fully agree with you. And it is one of the greatest matches of all time. Um, my favorite wrestler of all time, without a shadow of a doubt, Kurt Angle, gets the biggest win of his career. Um, just absolutely amazing work by both guys um, it, it encapsulated everything that Wrestlemania should be, two guys that had never ever faced off before that had, had great careers coming to a head at Wrestlemania and seeing who was the better man um, uh, and, and it could have been either, you know there was no, you know, nobody knew who was winning that match, unlike the main events or any other match on various other Wrestlemania's nobody knew who was winning that match and the fact that Kurt Angle did it with that do you remember he did it with that nasty ankle lock where he didn't just put the ankle lock on but then he wrapped his body round Shawn Michaels and grapevined him so it was like a super duper ankle lock and it just absolutely felt like the most important thing in the world at that moment in time and I have to when I'm talking about how good this match is I have to mention the build as well yeah. you know the fact that they got around the brand split about them being on separate brands by having that spiel with Kurt Angle bringing Marty Jannetty back to meet him, it beat him in a match and then and then Marty Jannetty goes to Raw or no sorry, previous to the match with Angle he goes to Raw and tags with Shawn Michaels the Rockers come back and face La Resistance and then you've got the sensational Sherry Kurt Angle duet of Sexy Boy, I'm just a sexy Kurt, I'll make your angle hurt Brilliant. Um, amazing, yep. absolutely amazing, so, so to me this was one of the best WrestleMania builds of all time, culminating in one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. I would say, in terms of pure historical significance, it's probably the fourth most important match on the card, but screw it. I'm going with Kurt Angle, my favorite wrestler of all time, against Shawn Michaels, one of the very, very best of all time for WrestleMania 21. Cool. I'll do Akabono versus Big Show. Over to you, Rich. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'll play the role because I feel like I'm a bit of a. I can be a, a lawyer for the prosecution or something here. Um, for the defence, I know my client did it, but I'm going to try and get him off anyway. That's how I'm going to approach this one. Um, but to, to take up on a couple of things that you said about that match, I think it's a masterpiece. That match. There are a few matches that I like a little bit more for different reasons, but. I think this is just a masterpiece between... It was When they put that together and you could see that it was going to be Sean versus Angle, you, there are certain matches that I sort of felt were dream matches that did happen or didn't happen, but that wasn't one of them. And then they started to put them together and you sort of went, oh my God, this is going to be just perfect and why haven't they wrestled before and why haven't we thought about this? And and when they did it, it was just sweet as a nut. I think they re, their rematch was at SummerSlam, wasn't it? And it was just as good and um, wonderful stuff. The sexy Kurt thing is a great example of Kurt is one of very, very, very few people that can do the comedy and the wrestling at the very highest level. And I don't include Absolutely. The Rock in that. 
I don't include The Rock in that. I realise he's very popular. Um, I find his humour rubbish. I don't like it, but I, 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 that is not a reason to not credit him for it because he's incredibly popular. But The Rock is nowhere near as good in the ring as Kurt Angle. Um, Kurt could do everything. And Sean, even, you know, Sean did a bit of humour, Triple H did a bit of humour. Fine, it worked in certain places, but no one did it quite like Kurt, where you laughed your head off at him, but you still knew that he could kill anyone in the building. And if you do the humour, sometimes you can do it to the... I think they probably went a little bit over the top with Owens and Jericho. Very funny a lot of the time, but probably did take away a little bit from Owens and Jericho. We covered that a lot a few weeks ago when we did the uh, yeah. um, the, big, the Festival of Friendship. But um, Kurt was able to rise above both because his comedy timing was impeccable. But man alive, could he go as well as anyone in the ring. So... Um, you don't need to you don't need to read between any lines that you know I would have picked that first, but I will put up a very credible opposition to it, which is that um, we talk about the WrestleMania matches um, going on to this mixtape, but sometimes it's fair to say that the match is the is the culmination of the right kind of storyline, and if I was to be maybe let's say lecturing to someone that uh, wanted to become one day a WWE writer. Or, or something like that, and I was asked for my input in terms of suggesting some good examples of how things built over time were executed perfectly. I think that Batista versus Triple H, um, which essentially started over a year before this WrestleMania, when they put Evolution together and Batista got injured and was out for a long time, then came back and joined Evolution, um, almost from the start. If you build a stable like that, um, you have to, in fact, no, f correction, faction. There is a difference between a stable and a faction, and I would say this is a faction. Um, but if you have a faction like that, you are trying to make stars out of it. You are inserting Ric Flair at the top of it as the, uh, as the legend, Triple H at the middle of it as the focal point of the time, but you're trying to make stars, and it worked with Randy Orton and Batista, so that's a big credit. Um, secondly, a long way out, they started realising that Batista was going to be a, a star, was going to be cheered by the fans, and they started teasing the, the um, dissent between him and Triple H. It was patently obvious what was going to happen a very, very long way out, but whereas some might go, oh, it's a bit obvious, it's a bit predictable, I would argue that it was beautifully done with lovely little seeds along the way, and by the time Batista won the Royal Rumble, you knew what was coming. The turn was beautifully done, the old thumbs-down thing. Batista turns on Evolution, and then gets his win in the main event at WrestleMania, and lived off of it. Um, I'm not a huge downer on Dave Batista, but I don't think... I think he basically... He overachieved. I think for his talent, I think he overachieved. I think he was... Had he not been put in this very good angle, um, I think he would have struggled to have got to the level that he did. Um, but that's not really his fault. Um, he did a good job. This was a very, very good match. R Batista is the opposite to Lesnar in the sense that Batista's um, talent is way, way beneath Lesnar's, in my opinion. But Batista had three, I think, fantastic WrestleMania matches. And this is the first of them, really. Um, there's another couple to come, which we may or may not you know, include as we go. But this is a really good match. It's a culmination to an amazing storyline. And so if Rich was not of the mind that perhaps Paul and I are, in terms of how strong we feel about Angle versus Michaels... I would be happy with Batista versus Triple H as the main event of this show, Batista's crowning, and the end of an excellent storyline going on to our mixtape. I genuinely think 
that there is a case to be made for this match to be more important to WrestleMania than the other one, which is at its core a wonderful wrestling match, but you can live without it. Batista beating Triple H and holding the belt up really does enhance the tape. So that's a genuine case for this match. Tough one for you, Rich, I think. Yeah, um, I think both have that essence. and They both mean exactly the same. I think you've both said the same arguments, which really has been about um, not just a match in the ring. So it's all about the build and really on this mixtape to try and give people an idea that actually... Um, a big part of the story starts a long way before they get into the ring um, and I think you've got a great argument there Rob from what you've said um, but I think also the same argument could be said for, for Kurt Anguish or Michaels I mean if I'm if I'm right in remembering it was um, I think it was the fact that he'd been um, I'm sure he was angered that Sean had eliminated him for the Royal Rumble um, and I believe I remember yep. something when they were talking about the wasn't it something along the line that um, that Sean said when Angle won the uh, gold, the Olympic gold, that actually nobody was watching that. Everyone was watching Sean beat Brett at WrestleMania 12. Um, so I think a lot of it really comes down to what you've both said, um, that really on this mixtape, we need to give the idea that the story starts so much before and so much of what happens within the ring is all dependent on the build. And I think, although they're both great arguments, um, the Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels, the build was fantastic. The actual match was outstanding. Um, and I think really on both bases, it has to be, it can't not go in. Um, so, you know, my choice to keep it brief uh, would be Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels. Just for a second awesome. there, I thought you were going to pick Batista versus Triple H. As did I. And I was thinking, ah. what have I done? Gentlemen, that was, Gentlemen, really, that was really the strangest thing that me and Paul would agree on one and you would vote for another one. <laughs> Well, can fantastic. I can I chuck my two cents in there afterwards yes. as well? Like what I, what I will say is, that, um, as good as the build to Angle Michaels was, the build to Batista Triple H was better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, outside of Rock Austin, there has never ever ever been. No, actually, you know what? actually scrub that. There has never ever ever been a better build to a WrestleMania title match in the modern era than than those two like the the way that they pivoted from Orton being the the one that was going to do the big moment of splitting from Evolution when that tanked and Batista became this phenomenon um, just perhaps by how well they booked it and you know you couldn't be more rabid wanting to see him get one over Triple H in that match that said that wasn't the match I thought you were going to go with Rob I thought as a second choice, as a genuine argument, I would have picked, and like I said, I had four, I had five in mind, fifth being Orton Taker, distant fifth. Um, money in the Bank. Yeah. Um, the yeah. first ever first Money ever. in the Bank match being, yep. being an important part of WrestleMania. I, that, if I'd have picked second, that's pro- probably where I'd have gone. And the other one was um, Cena JBL, obviously mm-hmm. being the start of the John Cena story, which is again much more important than the Batista story. And as a sidebar on that, what, when we get to Postmania and we start talking about more broad general subjects, I would love to do a podcast on JBL. Um, and I would love to give the defense about why he's one of the best and most important characters in the history of WWE. I'm a big fan, you know that. And um, Massive, massive. Not, not just because mm. I got to go on the JBL and Cole show, but uh, for other reasons that... Uh, um, but we're talking JBL the character. No, in those no, couple yeah. of years, yep. 2004, 2006, um, 
huge and and the perfect guy there could not have been a better guy to launch Cena as a superstar than JBL and and that that reign he had you could argue that he had the longest transitional reign of any champion ever um but yeah, so I was quite surprised you went with Batista to Triple H. As great as it was and as important as it was, I thought there were at least two other matches that I would have probably gone with first. Well, here's the point from WrestleMania uh, 21, is that um, if you take out Akabona and Big Show, which I joked about, which lasted a minute, and if you take yeah. out Trish Stratus versus Christy Hemi, which lasted about four, you know, that's only five minutes worth of wrestling, quote-unquote yep. wrestling, on that show. The rest of the show, in chronological order was Mysterio Guerrero, Edge winning Money in the Bank, Undertaker Orton, Kurt versus Sean, Cena versus JBL, and Batista versus Triple H. Incredible. It, it is the least filler on any WrestleMania, bar none. It's yep. chock full of lengthy, significant, brilliantly done matches. Um, it's not necessarily the one that you'll go back and watch and be blown away by other than the, the Sean versus Angle match. But it is the one that you can point to and say, we talked when we talked about WrestleMania 10, about Brett versus Owen being the best opening match of a WrestleMania, maybe any pay-per-view. Um, I don't think anything runs it close, but this pay-per-view opened with Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. And it was... We, it was yeah, very should have run it close. It wasn't, uh, it, wasn't one of, it wasn't one of their best matches. They had hundreds of matches and probably dozens of them were better than this one. But as an opener, you know, with two t guys with that kind of talent... You know, it was a good opening match. I would argue it was one of the most disappointing matches I've ever seen at WrestleMania. It was, it was decent. It was decent. I'm not saying it was anywhere near their best, and yeah, you, but it was, it was only supposed to be decent. It's the opener. You're not, you're not, you're not booking it as a semi-main to blow everyone away. Mm. Like if you flip the order, and not that you'd ever open with Kurt versus Sean, but if you open with Kurt versus Sean and put Ray versus Eddie in that position, then Ray versus Eddie is the half an hour classic. It's just, it's just positioning. It's not their fault. They did, they did what they were supposed to do on that show well. It's a good match. By any, any credible rating system, and I'm not getting into stars, but it's a, it's a good, solid, well-wrestled, entertaining wrestling match with the right finish. And that's sometimes all you can ask for. And in this context, and any other WrestleMania, you'd say it's ridiculous, but in this context, bear in mind, Undertaker Orton went on fourth. No, he went on third, mm. I beg your pardon. Because the other, because I've got the, yeah, it went on third. Imagine Undertaker going on third on a WrestleMania. But it makes sense, and it was a really good match. And we talked a little while ago about um, when did the Undertaker matches start getting good? You know, when were they decent matches rather than just the zombie beat someone? And I argued on WrestleMania 17 that it was when Undertaker beat Triple H. This is probably the streak starting. This is probably when they started talking about. Inarguably, or, or, yeah. Orton being the yeah. legend killer and Undertaker being undefeated at WrestleMania. Up until yeah. that point, it was individual matches. It was the the grudge of him and Triple H. It was the the return of the Dead Man with Kane. This is the streak now. This is the there's the storyline of the streak, and that's important. So that could go on. The, you genuinely could have four, maybe five of matches from this WrestleMania on the mixtape. You could make a case exactly for whereas, right. Whereas bear in mind that we've got the Steiner Brothers versus the Head Shrinkers on this tape. And it seems very wrong, doesn't it? It's weird, isn't it? No, oh. We've set our own parameters so that, you know, it's, we, I can't argue against our own rules, but if you were doing just matches, if we were doing the top 32 matches of WrestleMania and not necessarily one from each one, I think we'd legitimately have three or four of these in at least. 
Agreed. I'm very, I'm very disappointed in you two. You both had an easy... Neither of you tried to push the fact that you could have tried to get through Hassan and Davari versus Hulk Hogan as a match. You missed out. You both missed out on one there. But even, even the shirt got ripped. You know when the shirt gets ripped, that equals a match. It's on. So, <laughs> you know that. Let, let, let me ask you this, Rich, because, again, I, watched this, I, wa- I remember watching this at the time. I remember Eugene coming down, and as soon as Hassan's music oh. hit, I was watching I just moved to Brighton at the time, so I was watching it with my strange cousin I'd not seen for a long time. I'd gone around to her house to watch it. She wasn't really a wrestling fan, but she felt sorry for me because I had no friends. And um, I, as soon as Hassan's music hit, before he'd even come through the curtain or whatever it was, I said, this is Hogan. This is the Hogan section. And it was brilliant. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, Look, even watching it the other day, when Real American hits, he comes oh, down and does the thing. Yeah. That's a WrestleMania moment. That is a WrestleMania match. And just like your story, my story to that WrestleMania 21 is, is similar in terms of how it actually set up. I was at work, working one of the guys. He had absolutely no interest in wrestling whatsoever, but he was at work with me. And um, I was chatting to him, saying, oh, WrestleMania's on. And um, his family, very, very wealthy. To give you an idea, lived in you know like an eight, nine-bedroom pack mansion and um, they were away in their house in America and he said oh well you know um, if you want to pop round maybe and kind of watch it and I said okay so me and again my, my friend Mark we uh, we went round there to his house and uh, he actually he, 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 we went into this room and it was it, to give you an idea it, the end of the room was a whole brick wall and I was like well, what you know we're, we're here to watch it's not on video. we need to watch it on telly <laughs> and he went no 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 he said just sit down sit down I said okay oh, so man. We, so, oh honestly we sat down he pressed the button. All of a sudden, this brick wall moved up. The screen is in front of us. He presses another one. The little bricks move up. The speakers are there. And, you know, we had no idea that Hulk was going to come out. We had no, you know, and to see it in that setting, he went to bed. So he said, oh, well, you know, you, you, you stay over, guys. No problem. Here's some beers. Stay over. It's no worries, you know. I'll, I'll drop you to work in the morning, Rich. I said, oh, fantastic. And I remember so vividly this one, and that's pretty much why when Rob spoke earlier, he said, what kind of mania do you, do, was the fact of this? I was sitting there watching it and just that reaction, the noise. And for me, you know, Hulk's over the years had different entrance musics. Hands down for me, that is, that Real American equals Hulk Hogan for me. That's the one. No other oh, music. Oh, God, no, no question. Other, no no question. other music gets anywhere near it. And when I was there, literally, I mean, you know, <laughs> This probably pure white carpet that I was jumping up and down on. I was probably never seen as I was so excited. And uh, I just thought it was very relevant there because how you said you watched it, it was uh, you know very relevant for me watching it. And it was absolutely amazing. But, yeah, I think you both missed out massively there on uh, <laughs> calling that. It's interesting because I watched it in a, a, a council flat in the dodgiest estate in Brighton. You watched it in a palatial mansion. It says it all that like, we, we both connected with the moment. <laughs> exactly right. That is exactly what it's about it doesn't matter where you're watching it you're still connected well we've actually talked about um what we, we may do is a, a theoretical dvd extra if we were to put out a dvd of the uh of the mixtape we won't we're not allowed to but um if we did the dvd extra would be the wrestlemania moments so the ones that aren't matches but they are moments yep. that we would put in i think an example um is that from wrestlemania 7 we have undertaker and snooker um, as our match that's gone in because of the historical significance of the start of the streak what should be in a Wrestlemania story is the moment with Randy Savage and Elizabeth reunite um, so that's not a match the ma- there's an argument for the match to go in and I think that was Paul's 
um, choice when we got to that WrestleMania, as I recall. Yeah. Um, but the moment of Randy and Liz getting back together is a WrestleMania moment, and there are other points of WrestleMania. They're sort of jumping out of my brain right now, but there are other WrestleManias where you say that's a really cool moment that's actually not part of the. It's not the part of the match structure, but it is something where you say that's a really cool thing that that could well go in. Um, so I think, um, you know, there's an argument to be made for your your Hogan and Hassan and, and Eugene moment um, being part of that. I will also say that um, when I mentioned that the, the the show was no filler in terms of the wrestling, you're right, of course, that this segment was in there. There was also, I think, a Piper's Pit with Carlito and Stone Cold, if I remember that they worked that in. Um, but That's right. Both yeah. of those things kind of felt that they could be on Raw as they were sort of segments rather than matches, but they were still entertaining. And you managed to get Stone Cold, Roddy Piper, Hulk Hogan onto WrestleMania. I would argue all successfully, all of whom have been actors as well as being wrestlers. So they've got some resonance with being in LA. Um, another couple of ticks in the box for me for this being a, a truly fantastic WrestleMania. We're always going to fall out on terms of what's the best, the favourite. But I don't think any of us would um, disagree that this is absolutely um, in the highest echelon. So if uh, if you're listening along to this and you've not de- you've decided not to follow Paul's watch everything um, routine, maybe you're just watching the matches on the mixtape. That would be a pretty cool way of doing it, just to uh, listen to what we choose and then pick the matches. But if you're going to decide to watch a couple of WrestleManias between now and WrestleMania 33, make 21 one of the ones that you revisit. Because if you've forgotten any of it, um, you will absolutely love the hell out of watching it again. And the last one that we're going to do on this list today is WrestleMania 22. Um, it was WrestleMania Big Time, is what they called it. Remember the uh, the throwback to the Peter Gabriel song uh, as the theme tune. It took place in uh, Rosemont, just outside of Chicago. 17,000 is the attendance of this one. It reminds you that uh, as good as these manias were, we're only talking 11 years ago, and they were still at reasonably small venues. They've done some bigger ones here and there, but Staples Center the year before, Rosemont Horizon this year, Six, seventeen. Imagine having a WrestleMania these days that was seventeen thousand. And you could argue that well, that's not even an argument. But the business that WWE were doing, you know, from the Attitude Era through into this time, this is probably the start of the lull, I guess, from sort of twenty-one to twenty-two. There's probably a lull into the mid-twenties and through in terms of the, um, the in terms of what you would refer refer as the classic era. But when you think of the TV ratings these days, if that is still a um, something that's a, that's a case and people make a point of how few people watch Raw these days on the official Nielsen ratings but you consider that you do Wrestlemania you wouldn't, it's unthinkable to do Wrestlemania at anything that would be less than 70, 80, 90,000 the fact that it was still 17,000 ones I think this is um, you know, this will be one of the smallest ever uh, Wrestlemania uh, attendances I would have thought because of the, just because of the building that it chose that's a kind of a strange thing in some ways Paul yeah, I just thought, you know, I noticed this as well. It does go up and down at this time. Like, you know, you've got, you got these big WrestleManias, 17, 18. Um, nine, where was 19? Uh, I don't know. Was, oh, it was the Seattle. It was Seattle. It was Seattle. It was in that big baseball stadium in Seattle. And then 20 went right down to Madison Square Garden, which you understand for historical purposes. Um, nice that they took the, they could have done so much more business if they'd have put it elsewhere, but they went back there. Um, 21 goes to uh, yeah, it goes to the Staples Center like LA, you just yeah. said. Yeah, um, and that was it. Yeah, 21, 22, 23, and well, 23 goes to Detroit. Was, 
it's a bit Ford Field. Yes, so you, it does. You go back it does up right. So that's when, that's when, that's when the arena starts. But it's odd. It's odd. And I tell you what else I didn't like about Twenty Two Staging. Not just the tiny arena. Do you remember they had all the portraits of the wrestlers yeah, around the rubbish around the top of the arena? It looked absolutely absurd. It looked like a night of champions. Didn't it? Didn't, it looked it didn't work. stupid. Yeah. No. And and I must admit, you know. Uh, what I said earlier about this being a great run of WrestleManias, these four, um, this is where it tails off. Yeah, this is okay. It's okay, but it's nothing better than okay. Agreed. Yeah. So uh, without further ado, let's um, let's kick off. Lovely stuff. Um, I am going to go with, and this is not at the um, behest uh, of Dave Mastiff, who we had on the show uh, uh, earlier in the week. Indeed, it was only a few days ago. Uh, he suggested this. I definitely would have picked it anyway. Um, I am going to choose Mickey James versus Trish Stratus. Uh, I argued a few podcasts ago that we um, we ought to have some uh, some female representation. Um, that is not as a tokenistic point um, because that I'm, I'm not into that. It's not about um, just doing something for political correctness, but it is about representing the right thing at the right time for the right amount of quality. Um, and it would only be fair to acknowledge the fact that there have been some excellent women's storylines and matches uh, along the way. Um, this is uh, a simply fantastic culmination to a really entertaining storyline, which, knowing WWE's history with some of the more salacious subjects that they choose, could have gone a lot worse. At its essence, this is a lesbian storyline. They brought in Mickie James... Uh, Mickey James as a mental lesbian and think of where WWE could have taken that what they actually did could be an Ian McEwan novel it was so it was actually handled really well in terms of you kind of felt this strange character this strange vibe off of Mickey that she was idolizing but hating Trish she wanted her to love her but she wanted to take her down it's actually quite an interesting psychological storyline um talk about all in on a character if you're a wrestler like Mickey James who's a good wrestler and if she's brought in for this in her character and been told that that's what your character's going to be you may well think oh crikey why didn't they just let me be a good wrestler but she was completely sold on it wonderful portrayal um, and people should not get hung up on the old um, you know licking the V on her hand moment which people talk about as a kind of giggly adolescent quagmire moment um, it's actually a brilliant wrestling match. It's short, it's not very long, it's only about 9 or 10 minutes, but it's really, really well done. Um, Trish is the ultimate example of coming from almost literally nothing, you know, as, as you know, being an untrained wrestler, just a, just a pretty face, really, and, and, and some other <laughs> parts of the body. Um, but she turned into a really excellent character wrestler. Very good baby face, very good heel. Um, and this was the first time that they went to a sort of different story other than someone wants to beat the champ which was kind of what they always used to do with the girls or they went with some sort of you know bitchy storyline this was totally different it was loads of fun mickey was way over with the crowd on this night and i think it was less about them you know not liking trish's babyface character just being so into mickey as a as a, dare i say a, you know, a psycho lesbian character um, like I say, it could have gone a lot worse in terms of its um, out the bad taste. Some would argue that at times it did. I would say that most of the time it stayed on the right side of things. Um, it helped both of their careers. Um, Mickey, you know, will be appearing at this year's WrestleMania, 11 years on from this from the one we're talking about here. 
Um, she's had an excellent career. Paul and I both know her. Paul knows her better than me. She's an extremely nice person as well as being a very gifted athlete. Um, but that's not the reason she goes on. Um, it's because this match to me stands up. The storyline stands up and it would be good to have the representation. So that is my case for Mickey James versus Trish. Over to you, Paul Benson. Well, I'm glad you picked that, Rob. Um, because with all due respect to you and Mr. Mastiff, um, nonsense. Um <laughs> Nonsense. You know, this was a fantastic women's wrestling match. Um, as you said, you know, I agree with everything you said, really. It was a great build. It was a, two great characters coming together in a unique situation for a very good match. But it was nor the most important match, nor the best match on this WrestleMania. And I don't think gender equality is a reason to put, um, to put a match on WrestleMania. And if it was, there's better women's matches that we can put in the last couple of years on later if you want that token female match on no, Rob no no, no 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 I never said token the, the piece of thing. I never said token that's totally different don't <laughs> Look, put words I'm, in my mouth I'm arguing the case for the prosecution yeah I know um, objection so <laughs> overruled <laughs> um, <laughs> not your job to do that quite frankly but yeah okay. I realised that as soon as I said it um, but um, frankly I don't, I don't think that is an argument it's not a good argument it's not an argument full stop you've got to pick the best or the most significant match from the Wrestlemania now with that in mind, is this the moment where you decide it's Tori Wilson versus Candice Michelle in the pillow match? <laughs> I was waiting for that. If, if, if I was picking my favourite match on this WrestleMania card, if I was picking the best match on this WrestleMania card, I would go with Edge versus Mick Foley. Um, you know, hardcore wrestling has a may as a big part in wrestling, especially this. Uh, this is kind of the tail end of the era before WWE goes PG, and this was far and away the best hardcore match in WrestleMania history by a country mile, arguably the best wrestle uh, hardcore match in WWE history. That's harder to argue, but you could still definitely make that case. I'm not going with that as much as I want to. Um, at WrestleMania 21, we both ignored. Um, quite an important match um, and that match was Cena versus JBL like him or loathe him John Cena is a hugely important part of Wrestlemania um, in the modern era uh, and we ignored his coronet we ignored his first title win at Wrestlemania 20 we ignored his coronation as champion at Wrestlemania 21 we cannot ignore the moment where he became the franchise player of WWE because make no mistake that was Wrestlemania 22 and that was what Wrestlemania 22 was designed to do he'd won the title at 21 he'd lost it to Edge he'd won it back in short order him going over Triple H um, with the mixed crowd reactions um, and going over clean was the moment that WWE was saying right okay not only is this guy our champion he is our poster boy. He is our most important guy, and he's going to be the future of WWE. He's tapping out Triple H. For that reason, and that reason alone, we're telling the story of WrestleMania. This match absolutely, categorically, has to be the choice for this WrestleMania. That's it. Well, wow. after having a little bit of um, uh, niceness in previous ones... Uh, we have a genuine disagreement because this is not the point where I go well, he's got a point he hasn't Rich um, I'm quite steadfast on my uh, on my choice here uh, I will say in terms of we didn't do too much on this uh, this as a, as a Wrestlemania in general um, I would like to say that uh, if you look at the if you look at this card it's obviously not as strong as the um, as the previous one but there are some other moments in this I think you're right to point out Edge and Foley I am by no means a hardcore guy at all um, I pretty much shy away like, from any of these likewise. things. But 
it's not necessarily about our taste it's about displaying Wrestlemania so I would have understood if you'd have chosen that one as, a, as an alternative um, Ray, we didn't even include Rey Mysterio winning uh, you know, winning the title telling the, the culmination of the story from uh, winning the Rumble the whole Eddie stuff as, as a tribute um, so there are other things on this um, this card I'm not, I don't think we are ever going to pick a Money in the Bank match if we didn't pick the first one um, but again a decent enough Money in the Bank match with RVD so there are other things on this this Mania, Sean and Vince, you know, both important parts of Mania as well, having a no holds barred match. So, lots of things going on. Um, I respect the uh, the choice you've made, although I'm sticking with mine. So, um, over to you, uh, Rich, to uh, for one of I think the more difficult decisions on this uh, in this series. Yeah, yeah, I, I would totally agree with you there, Rob. I got to say, um, listening to both of those is so difficult because I know the name of the game. I understand what you're both trying to do. I completely understand that. However when you actually listen to it and both points are come across really really well and, and you start to you know my decision in, in what I'm going to be putting in is quite a big role and, and when I start to listen to both of your arguments there um, putting them forward it does really work out um, I mean f- from where I am and what I'm listening and, and my thoughts and again going back to this whole fact of what we're trying to do here it's not the best match it's not our most favourite match it's really trying to give uh, people an idea and an understanding of what the whole Wrestlemania means um, I think Paul with you know the, the John Cena and the Triple H I completely take on what you're saying however I do think part of the argument there you, you, you did say was that you haven't put more memorable in terms of what we've, what he's done and where he was um, and I think he will feature so he's got a, you know a, a strong strong case but I think previous ones could have been more memorable um, in terms of what what you're saying Rob and nothing to do with Mr Mastiff as he'll be in Birmingham and I'll be in London so there's no issues from me getting scared um, I do <laughs> understand what, what you're saying and I think you know looking back and trying to look on it from a completely neutral so trying to show and it's got nothing to do with as you both said it's nothing to do with females and you know no female being in there but I do think that aside regardless of your opinion previously into this and going up to this a lot of the matches it's fact a lot of the matches going uh, previous Wrestlemania's have been uh, that kind of diva this is very much the, the taking away from that diva angle and it really is a not only a fantastic uh, match from two women wrestlers it's also a fact of uh, that storyline that whole build up between it and as difficult it is, as it is and as absolutely valid as um, Mr Benson's point is regarding the uh, the John Cena I think it would have been more of an argument previous to that and I think coming up I think John Cena definitely cements himself in other ways moving forward uh, up to current day with WrestleManias I think there's going to be more for him to go so it is difficult very very difficult and um, but I think I, I have stuck to my mind and um, I, will, I, I will be picking Mickey James uh, versus Trish Stratus we have held serve in these four and um, both of us that have gone first have, uh, have won on our, on our different ones but uh, a variety of different contests I think thank you Rich for uh, presiding I think you did so with uh, um, a great amount of uh, honesty and fairness I have to say and uh, some gravitas so well done for that um, yes I don't think I want to stress that I am not putting in this, this in as anything tokenistic um, I'm making the point that it is only fair that at some point at the right stage where it comes up that I don't think that we should have 32 men's matches in because at some point you've got to demonstrate um, you know, that women's wrestling has a place at Wrestlemania in fact if you, if you recall um, I wanted to put Wendy Richter versus Leilani Kai in from Wrestlemania 1 
So my, I do recall. My first suggestion. Yep. My first suggestion was a women's match. I wanted it from only one, and I stand by that. that. Even though I was second choice in that one, I still think I would have chosen that first because it's a, it's a more important thing to me in terms of the, uh, uh, in terms of the WrestleMania one. But that's a, that's that's an aside. Um, so we've gone two and e- two each on this one, and we have moved on to WrestleMania 22. We have ten more to do, and we have just under two weeks to do it. We are hoping to get in another three podcasts. Um, between now and WrestleMania, are we not, Paul? So, um, if we can do so, then I think uh, you know three on a couple and four on another one, and we are we are home and dry. So, a very good chance that our next uh, podcast will feature WrestleManias 23 through to 25 slash 26. Um, so, if you're following along with us at home and uh, watching them, that's where you need to be up to by um, the end of the week, roughly. I think we're going to record on Thursday of this coming week, which will be 10 days. Um, from WrestleMania itself, um, guest to be announced, but we are working diligently on that one. Um, we will have someone with us uh, to chat WrestleMania 2 and to preside over the next instalment of WrestleMania Impossible. Um, we've gone very long today. This is a bonus podcast for you guys, which uh, you might have expected to be a very short one, and actually we've gone way long. But um, I'm sure you'll agree it's been a lot of fun. Um, one of the things that Paul and I were very keen to do when we set out with the Hooked On podcast was to not be just that same old podcast that chatted about Raw and SmackDown and um, to have a good variety of guests. So we have had um, top journalists like um, Rob Lee and Patrick Lennon and Richard Parr and we've had wrestlers like Doug Williams and Dave Mastiff. We've had hosts uh, of our events such as those two, Ben Brown. Um, we have had other, I shouldn't start doing this because I'll forget someone and uh, and no, I don't want to leave people. I don't want to leave people out. But we've had all sorts. I'm going to stop there. But we've had all sorts of great guests from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different stories. And so, Rich, I'm very happy you were able to come on and give us something different again. So when people say, you know, there's been 13 episodes or so of the Hooked On podcast so far, what do they have on? Well, they have on wrestlers. They have on fans. They have on couples getting married. They have on mad Hulkamaniacs. They have on journalists. They have on hosts. They have on all sorts of people. We're actually working on post WrestleMania, maybe having a little run of uh, celebrity specials. Is kind of our idea. Some people from outside of the wrestling business who are famous for other things that are big wrestling fans. We want to work on that at some point post WrestleMania, but we don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much. But it's something to. Uh, pay attention for for the future but for now rich thank you so much for coming on and for uh, telling your story um from a uh, the perspective of a hulkamaniac i think it was very interesting um so lots of, i've known you for several years and that's the a lot of lot of those stories were the first time i've heard them um so we uh, we assume we will see you in london in a couple of weeks time sir you will do indeed so i look forward to seeing you uh, both in a couple of weeks and um, i thank you very very much for for having me on, I've enjoyed it very much, and I hope uh, there's been some enjoyment for the people listening. If anyone is uh, wanting to come up and say hi to Rich for hearing him on the podcast, he's most likely going to be the only man in the building in a waistcoat. Um, so that will be uh, your easiest way of finding him. Um, Paul, thank you for your company as ever. One last little plug on our social media and where people can get their tickets for our WrestleMania events from. Absolutely. Uh, tickets, as always, from ringsideworld.co.uk. Just simply search Hooked On on that site. Um, if you want to join in the conversation on social media, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling, or you can find us on Twitter at uh, HO underscore Wrestling. Excellent stuff. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Rich. And thank you for everyone for listening today. Don't forget we will be back later on in the week with our next installment of the Hooked On podcast where we will be talking more about this year's WrestleMania 
and indeed uh, the next installment of WrestleMania Impossible. Make sure you get out and get your tickets for our Hooked On events coming up at Mania. And all that remains for me to say is thank you so much for listening and from all of us at Hooked On Wrestling. Just remember, it's wrestling. Enjoy it. We'll see you next time.